0: Welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and slaps the sleeper hold one of the most important eras of wrestling history. I am your host, Dave, and this episode is going to be like a breeze compared to the last one. We are going to be looking at Super Brawl 1997. Of course, my guys were here with me for the lows, and they get to be here with me for the mediums, I guess. First, they let me to introduce Fergus
1: Looney. How are you doing, Fergus? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's always good to get out of a prison cell after all this time, (laughs) Uh, you know, break free and I don't know, shout at people randomly. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm good though. I'm good. I'm looking forward to talking about this one.
0: Excellent. You've you've recovered from the last uh, endeavor.
1: Yeah, I'm a lot more sober this time. So
2: (laughs) we we all are.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and of course it couldn't be a show without the fantastic Connor O'Donnell. How are you keeping, Connor?
2: I uh, couldn't be better, Dave. We're actually talking about a regular pay per view. Wrestling is fun again.
0: As, as regular as I think we can call a WCW pay per view, but yeah, it's it's not bad, and uh, the fans seem to think so as well. A little re, little bit of research the guys did before the show. Third highest grossing pay per view in WCW history.
2: Yeah, for for the gate. Yeah, it's. I mean, they went back to the formula. They're like, "Hey, we're gonna try something different." Oops, that didn't work. Let's go back to that starcade formula. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it does taste of a very typical. WCW show, but we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. There's a lot of matches to cover, a lot of pay per view, so I think I'm going to jump straight into the Nitro recap with Connor. Take it away, Connor.
2: Nitro recap. We are live chronically in the past month of Monday Night Nitro. So Eric Bischoff, he continues his power trip as expected. Stripped the Steiners of the Tag Team Titles and fired referee Randy Anderson. So the following week Randy Anderson brought his family out, begged for his job back, but Bischoff gave him one more chance, making him wrestle the good old Nick Patrick for his job. All right. But Randy Anderson ended up cheating in the match, so which forced Bischoff to fire him anyways. Oh well. But Bischoff in general, like, he's been abusing his power as the top-ranking officer in WCW. His promos have actually been not as cringeworthy, like, and sold out. And it's actually generated a lot of heat. So, props to Eric Bischoff on this. He's actually been a good heel general manager right now.
0: Yeah, I think Eric at his best is definitely super heat magnet. I can definitely see it. Like, I I don't like him personally, but there are moments, and we could see that when he was on WBF television later, where he really milks the crowd, and it sounds like he does very well in these kind of uh, segments.
2: Yeah, we'll see how he does in the ring. I know he's going to have a couple matches. I'm not sure if we're going to be covering them all, but uh, let's see how he does then. But on our sold-out episode, though, we prayed to the wrestling gods, and they giveth no Nick Patrick since they since the dreaded sold-out pay-per-view. So <laughs> oh, it's been a breath of fresh air. Just that lovely Nitro match. <laughs> Which was like, you know, five <laughs> seconds long. So we got the minimum of Nick Patrick. and yeah. I mean, that includes his pay-per-view, too. So welcome back to... No screwy finishes, but yeah. You know, well, let's not, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> He's not directly involved. No, we'll go with that. <laughs> but as for Sting, we need to give our Sting update. Ugh, it's the same Sting shtick. Come to the ring, give someone his bat, turn his back. Nothing happens. Thus, another month of Sting run-ins. Macho Man continues to hang around hang around Sting as well, so really not much to tell about Sting. I've been personally getting kind of tired of the whole thing. I know it's going to be going somewhere, but it's I'm surprised they're still not cashing in in the Sting popularity right now while it's really hot.
1: Yeah, I'm impressed with their ability to hold back on it. I would have assumed that most bookers would be like, do it now, make as much money as possible, do it. <laughs>
0: Well, considering everything else they do seems to be of that kind of ilk, kind of let's make our money on it now while it's fresh. Let's like beat the other guys in ratings. They they have this really good storyline with Sting that they're going to keep dragging on for a while longer. And it's like there's two completely different bookers, one that's only allowed to book Sting and one that books everything else.
2: Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm kind of tired of it already, but I'm willing to give it a chance to see how the whole arc progresses from here. But I think the most important update that we need to talk about for the podcast, what's going on with Glacier, man? Glacier's been a a top guy on the podcast, so his push continues. Glacier had an impressive squash victory over Billy Kidman, future Cruiserweight champion, so that's a thing. But the time is almost here, guys. We finally get to cover a Glacier match on our next episode for Uncensored 97. I can't wait. Highlight of the podcast so far.
1: I'm sure people have been waiting with baited breath to see his pay-per-view
2: debut. (laughs) But last but not least, a week before the pay-per-view, Roddy Ray Piper locked himself in a cell in Alcatraz to prepare for his match with Hollywood Hogan. So guys, I think it's now time for Piper to escape from Alcatraz and head over to Super Bowl 1997. (laughs)
3: I didn't spend seven days in hell for nothing. And Hogan, you're an extinction. You're an endangered species. Now get that thing out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, on! <laughs> San Francisco! Hogan, I be your date! <laughs> sharks, uh, my sharks, I'm coming, and I'm bringing up the tracks, hello,
0: well this segment is um, a thing, so the way I prepare for these shows is I watch the pay-per-view and then I'll do a bit of background research, any questions I have, any weird angles. Connor will fill me in with uh, a lot with very detailed show notes. So when I first watched this pay-per-view, I'm like, oh, they probably did. They got Piper to hit Hogan when he wasn't allowed, so they had to set it, put him in jail. But why is he in Alcatraz? Al- Alcatraz isn't in use. Okay, I can stretch my imagination to say that. Bischoff pulled some strings to get him put away till the (laughs) pay-per-view to protect Hogan. And that was way more logical than WCW seemed to deem worthy of a wrestling show. He put himself in there. What?
1: Why does that make any sense?
2: What's happening? He's unhinged, Dave. We'll we'll get to that
1: more in the future. Who who knows what he'll do, Dave? He's going a crazy. He's unhinged. Like, (laughs) someone is supposed
0: to put him in there. If he's unhinged, why would he go there? And then when he leaves the cell, he's like, I know my way. You've been an Alcatraz before, Piper? What?
1: <laughs> he's locking himself in there to save, save them from himself. I got really worried when I, I watched this segment. I'm like, oh, no, we've literally just watched Sold Out. And this is how the next pay-per-view starts. I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys hate this segment? I actually didn't mind it that much. I didn't think it was that bad. But I was like, if this is what it's going to be like oh, wow, this could be all over the shop. Okay.
0: Yeah, I I think the issue is it lies in between. So I think if you want to ham it up in wrestling like this, there's definite price in wrestling for hamminess. But there's lots of small things that irk me about it. One that I know the way. Lion is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But (laughs) also, he's in his own clothes that are dirty now. And that's understandable he's been in them for seven days. Why are they ripped? Did he rip them? There's no one else in there. If you're going to go that far... Like, why are there 10 or 20 guards waiting lined up for him? That's not a in-use prison. If you're going to say there's prison guards with him, you could have done something like have him in a jumpsuit and have him come out with guards to his match. But they don't. He's just in his dirty clothes. Because his clothes are dirty, I guess. So either like lean super hard into the hamminess and have him like in a jumpsuit and have him chained up and have him, I don't know, really lean into it. Or be more realistic and say, you know, they trapped him there and he got out. Or, you know, Bischoff sent him to jail for hitting Hogan. It's this really annoying in-between that I don't get. But I I didn't mind the segment too much. There's just... It irks me.
1: I think I've said this before, Dave. I think you're putting too much logic to this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Again, I would like if there's either completely no logic or logic. I have no room for this in betweenness. It either needs to be blood blood from the ceiling that can be blocked by goggles... Or it needs to be like a very, <laughs> a very stressing <laughs> storyline. I don't want an in-between in my story.
2: Lines. Sure. I mean, I guess what I thought it was, I mean, I think Piper knows it's abandoned. He's just like, I'm going to do this to get like a psychological advantage type thing. Psych myself up, get sure. mentally yeah. prepared kind of thing. And it's like, I'm going to put myself in this cell, stay isolated so I can just be focused or whatever.
1: I think as well, it's him saying that he's... Uh, he's so dangerous that he needs to be kept away from mm-hmm. people, and yeah. he don't. Who who knows what he'll do when he gets there?
0: Speaking so. of halfway's, <laughs> like getting irked by small things, I think this is also better if there's a coherent promo somewhere. It doesn't have to be super coherent. Piper is they, crazy. They have a
2: promo on Nitro.
0: Yeah, I saw the Nitro one as well, but again, it half makes sense. He starts talking about, you know, do you know what I've given for family? And then starts talking about nonsense. So it starts off very good. I'm like, okay, hammer home the family. Hammer home the sacrifices you made. And this is your last time, no matter what. No, just talk about You could also talk about nonsense. Well done, Piper.
2: Right. And I think that's where I get, or I think that's where I agree with you, Dave, where it gets a little too hammy. It's his grunting. It's kind of like what he says. That that type of thing. I think the yeah, idea yeah. is like pretty sound. I think it's just some of the execution here. Although him on the boat, like kind of laughing maniacally, screaming like Hogan, "I'm coming." I, that was okay for me. That's, that, that's great. great. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, but that's yeah. perfect.
0: Nice sharks is my favorite line from that. <laughs> when he's looking into the ocean, he just sees the sharks. He has that kind of connection. That is the perfect amount of wrestling hammy for me, I think. The bit when he's on the boat, standing, basically pointing to where the pay per view are going to be, take me there, is, is something I didn't yeah, I
2: thought it was something different, too, that WCW did. I mean, it's better than the typical monster truck promos that we usually see true true i much prefer something like this to open a pay-per-view and it was nice and short as well compared to the sold out that opening that took forever so again they kind of learned their lesson it was almost like a movie like a start to a movie too it's kind of like this nice here's the start the hero gets out of the prison and by the end he's gonna try to get his revenge type of thing so i, I thought overall i thought it was a cool production
1: i i also like this kind of leads into the start of the show after the segment but i'll mention it now because it comes up a couple of times they do a much better job at introducing things and giving backgrounds to to matches and so on so even if you haven't watched nitros you have a much better idea of why they're wrestling and what's going on
2: yeah that's a huge thing about what's like the transition from last month to this month we've kind of gone to simple matches simple feuds it was almost if sold out just didn't happen because they mentioned sold out very few times, which is kind of, it's kind of yeah. funny. It's more like, we're going to talk about Starcade. What happened to Starcade? You guys remember Starcade? All right, we're going to talk about Starcade, <laughs> not sold out. So.
0: <laughs> That's very true.
2: It's almost like, they were, you know, the NWO was trying to erase history from Starcade, but it was actually more like sold out was trying to be erased. So
0: Speaking of sold out, I don't think I could have ever been happier to see the original commentary team back. So good. To all in glory. So good. Glory. Yeah, they like it's a very average start, it's a very average build-up of the main event, but man, the three guys. like We've been ragging on them on this podcast a lot, but you don't know how blessed you are until you have to listen to DiBiase and yes. Bischoff
1: comment on matches. I was about to say, who knew we'd be clamoring for Dusty back? <laughs> i <missed> him <laughs> and, so
2: much. And he's pretty bad in this pay-per-view too, but still, I'm like, uh, I'll take this any day. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd rather take funny jabs at Dusty than... Uh, Bishop doing anything, having to listen, listen to Bishop do anything. Yeah, we had a pretty average opening to the show. Nothing spectacular to comment about on the guys. They do a decent job talking up the main events and talking about Piper being locked up for seven days. And they are really building Piper. They're building Piper hard and saying he's deranged. And they believe he's going to... They're, they're building up a belief that he's going to win and what's Hogan got himself into. So they're doing well to build for the main event. But we also get some highlights of Six stealing... Uh, Eddie's title and becoming a kleptomaniac, as Tony likes to call him. <laughs> I would call it a repetitive gimmick, but what do you guys think of this like kleptomaniac thing that uh, Six is doing?
1: It's fine, I guess. I I don't really know what he's doing. Like, I don't really know what the point of it is. I don't know. What, what do you guys think in general? Because this
0: is like a classic kind of heel move for years now, taking the faces titles. They're just doing it to two different faces at the same time. Do, do you guys like, in general, this kind of old-school heel stick?
2: Um, in general, probably I don't like it. Maybe I do like it for Xbox though, because he has to be a little bit different from the other NWO guys because they're, you know, much bigger guys. They seem more threatening. They do their like guerrilla tactics here, but you know, Xbox has, he has that ninja experience. So he has to be sneaky and stuff. So <laughs> uh, for Xbox, I actually do like it a lot more.
0: He does seem very dirt baggy. As much as I give out about six a lot of time for X-Pac, his entire career has been very good at coming off sleazy. And this is a very sleazy thing to do. I will say, I said this on uh, Starcade, they made the point. Brain kind of destroyed anyone ever doing this angle again. They're still the champion. The belt doesn't actually matter. It's just decorative. You're still technically the champion of the division. That's kind of how title belts work. You know, brain does love destroying wrestling logic.
2: Well, I don't, it, it's not destroyed at all. I mean, let's get into this this feud for the opening match because I think this is actually, we actually have a real feud here. We actually have things to talk about for a cruiserweight match, which we haven't had things to talk about before.
0: Yeah, this is absolutely fair. What I like very much about this feud, something that Connor uh, found in his excursions to Nitro, is that both Dean and Six probably cut some of their best promos and the best kind of promo buildup work we've seen for the cruiserweight division yet.
3: I know and you know that about 10 minutes up the road from this arena is where my father took you under his wing and for two years prepared you for a career in professional wrestling. Well, six, in six days at Super Bowl, you're gonna continue your lessons, but this lesson is gonna be from Dean Malenko and that's a lesson you don't mess with other people's property. Mr. Man of a Thousand Holds! That is what you call yourself now, ain't it, Dean? I got a few things I wanna straighten out with you right now. I've listened to you for the last couple of weeks, Mr. Bland, man. Now it's time you listen to me. You think I don't have any respect or gratitude because you and your old man trained me? Well, pal, your old man's dead, and that respect and gratitude died with him. Because I never liked you, anyhow. Oh. That's pretty heavy. See, again, boy, these guys are putting these personal buttons. And if I gotta come down ringside and steal this belt just to get a shot, then that's what I'll do. Because you've been ducking me ever since you knew I was coming in here. So. As far as that respect and that gratitude for you, I got it for you right here! And there he goes!
0: So, so far we know that X-Pac has been a Captain Maniac. He's been stealing titles. Dean cuts this fantastic promo on Nitro just before X-Pac cuts one. We find out that Dean's dad has trained X-Pac and Dean wants to beat some respect, continue the lesson to X-Pac, and X-Pac replies in a perfect scumbaggy way. You know, just going straight for the juggler. Your dad's dead and respect has died with him.
2: <laughs> Oof, so good. That my heat. favorite part of the promo, though, he, just to get a shot.
0: Just to get a shot.
2: And he like does like the DX, like <laughs> suck it at the same time. It's beautiful.
0: It sounds like something out of South Park for a second. <laughs> it sounds like the Took My Jobs thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's so X-Pac. I love it. I mean, he's never been great at promos. I thought it was just nice to highlight here just because I've never really seen that many great promos from him, and I thought this was decent for X-Pac standards.
0: Yeah, it's it's like to the point as well, and, and Dean isn't like the best promo guy either, but this feud is basic. There's good heat on uh, x pac side. He's very hated. Dean, you know, the, the crowd has been mixed reactions about him, but he has a proper storyline to click onto, and, you know, there's that little bit of real life edge to it. Obviously, they don't really hate each other, or Xbox doesn't really hate Dean, but it, there's going to be better storylines for Dean down the line, but this is probably the most coherent and uh, best feud Dean's been involved in, I think.
1: Certainly what we've been watching, anyway. The
0: one thing that kind of pulls away from the feud straight away as we come into the match, that NWOB music. It's going to be haunting us yes. for, a music, uh, uh, for a couple of months.
2: I was having non-flashbacks.
0: Oh my god. I get the difference. I get the difference between you need to make It known that Hall, Nash, and Hogan are different. They're the big guys. I get it. But instead of making them look big, it makes the other guys look small. And there's a distinct difference there. It lets us know that we don't have to care about people with this music. Is how it feels. These are like replaceable
1: stooges. I just don't get how they could get such a good promo music in the first one and then be so bad in the second one. Like surely there has to be something in between there that Mm -hmm. they could have found.
2: I can't remember if... I, I know Hogan gets new music at some point. I'm wondering if that's when they make a shift. Maybe more of the other members get the better music. I have no idea. We'll we'll see how it, see how it progresses. But yeah. I mean, I think I think Xbox definitely de- de- deserves something better because I think he's one of the better members in the NWO. I I, I know I'm fanboying o- over him, but I think he's just been a. I mean, he's I think one of the better wrestlers in the group too.
0: Yeah, we we talk about this off the air sometimes, and it's what is the stable building to? You know, stables are there to generate storylines, and usually they're there to elevate. Younger wrestlers, and if you look at Hall, Nash, and Hogan, they're already made. No matter what they do, they're made main eventers, they're money makers. So, who are they bringing up into NWO to be the next generation to make money in the future? And is it X Pac? Is like that the young guy we can point to?
2: Yeah, maybe Buff, maybe
1: Nah, Buff. Buff is who I yeah, Buff
0: is definitely someone to look at the show later and before his uh, before he gets injured later in his career. But yeah, those are the two guys, right? There's no one else you can point out at all that could be elevated by this. The rest are just retirees that are cashing in a check is how i would describe them so it, it it's a little weird in that regards but yeah I, I do i do agree he's also one of the members with a proper personality like wall street and virgil and all these these are just they're blending into the background six does stick it dean a little bit of a character shift here as well he's a lot more no nonsense he's back to his like Hogwild kind of slapping away fans hands and he wants to get to the ring and he wants to start the fight I kind of like Dean better like this, but it does make for weird dynamics because it is a lot more heelish and it does kind of become heel versus heel.
2: Yeah, he's been progressing to kind of a tweener-ish.
0: Yeah, we could look at his good psychology as well, right? He doesn't have to do this his next match. He just needs to be focused on six, needs to get in there for some ass kicking. So straight away we see Dean running into the ring, getting the beat down on, hitting a nice drop kick. He pulls him off the mat straight away. Before the three count, it looks like Six is done with one drop kick. And he wants to teach him that lesson. It's going back to the promo. Simple, easy to follow kind of psychology here. He lets uh, Six up after two after a brain buster as well. And he gets, you know, the disrespectful slaps in his face. And he's no-selling any, like, early attempts of Six to get back into the match. Do you guys like this kind of build-up? Again, a bit more heelish from Dean, but it does seem heated and personal.
1: I quite like the early section of this match. Dean is quite good in control, and that's probably again due to his heelish mannerisms, which allows him to be that kind of person to take charge of the match. He definitely seems more confident in what he's doing, and he's very good at, at selling the storyline itself. So definitely the opening section really belongs to Dean and I think it, it's a good build.
2: I like how it brings just energy to the pay per view right, right off the bat. So I love the decent power slam was a really really cool. That was like the first pin attempt, so
0: Yeah, and it's mostly Dean for the first bit of the match. Six misses, I want to call it a bronco buster to the top turnbuckle, to be in the Tree of Woe and get his knee worked on a little bit. Dean does a nice crossbody to the outside, and he starts to get very confident. He gets his hands back on his title, he's celebrating with it, and when Six tries to hit him with a kick, uh, kick, he gets clotheslined on the outside. Dusty trying to describe what an enziguri is might be one (laughs) of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. he gets his toesy onto his chin, was what?
3: You see what he tried to do? there? he was blocked with the one foot when he came back with that set back, whatever it is, and but he got him with a toesy on the other foot on the jaw, and now could turn this thing on the other other agenda. You know what I mean?
0: And you can tell he just says toesy because he stumbled on his words. He is trying his very hardest to describe the the move in Inzaghi, and he just can't. We're getting our first kind of look at the Bronco Buster. We saw a little bit of it in his last match, but it goes a little bit further. This time, he doesn't do the full riding their chest in a very weird attitude error way. When Six starts to get momentum, they do the spot where he starts working on the neck. He starts to apply sleepers, and I have this noted multiple times. Why are people doing sleeper when you have Piper in your main event? Does Does that annoy you guys?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It is wrestling 101. It's like you got stars. They're finishing last. Or even respect the guy coming on next to you. Don't use their finish as a basic transition move.
1: Yeah. No, I have this after saying how good Dean's section of the match is. Once six takes over, he doesn't really have much going for him. He doesn't really seem to be able to get good heat. It's just crappy heat. heat. And he keeps returning to the sleeper. He keeps going back to it. And you're like, oh, I'm getting really lost here and it started so well and now i'm like oh please get back to dean doing something cuz this is dying on its on its feet here
2: he doesn't seem like a guy that does like submission holds either too
1: i can kind of understand because he has to be a heel now the earlier part of his career that people would know him for from wwf when he was the 123 kid and lightning kid and stuff it's so flashy and high flying and if he just does that all the time, they're probably not going to boo him because it's too cool looking. So maybe he's just having trouble replacing that move set. And so, yeah, he's trying to figure out, like, what, what do I do when I'm a heel if I can't do, like, flips?
2: That That's true. That, that is that is fair because, I mean, he's only had, what, three matches in WCW so far? He really had—and he's been with yeah. the company since, like, September, so.
0: I would just say it's a poor choice of submission hold on the head because they what they're trying to do is they're trying to build up, you know— X Pac working the neck after the bronco buster or whatever he's calling it at that point but after the bronco buster they kind of sell dean's neck a little bit yeah you have to do something to the neck then but side headlock kind of chin lock on the ground there's a hundred things you can do besides the main eventer's finisher and what is one of the more boring moves and even by then like we are looking back with rose tinted glasses on this but like even by then it wasn't a cool move to be <laughs> to be putting on people anymore he also does a leg drop from the top rope, which is pretty impressive because he clears more than half the ring Athletic, Though that is your other main eventer's finisher, but just better. I do blame Hogan more on that. He does have a finisher that everyone does in the match. There's about 100 leg drops in this pay-per-view because every wrestler just throws a leg
1: drop in a match. But they don't do a run. No, and they don't do the big boot. It, so it's okay.
0: <laughs> also, do you guys catch what the fans were chanting about midway through this match? I'm pretty sure it was one, two, three
2: sucks. That's what I thought. That's a weird thing to chant, though.
0: Well, it's the 1-2-3 kid.
1: Those smart fans <laughs> picking up on who they yeah. used to be.
2: They're like us. They refuse to call him by his real name, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: Running into the end of the match, there was one weird spot, and I want to ask you guys if you think if it's a botch or not. Uh, Six gets crotched on the top turnbuckle. Dean does a belly to back suplex. But Six kind of turns in mid-air. Do you think that's supposed to look like a reversal? Or do you think he just kind of try- tries to take the bump more on a certain part of his body? I think they messed it up.
2: Yeah, I think they messed it up. I have my notes. I have, not, I have no idea what it was supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I think it might have been him trying to reverse it into a crossbody or a bulldog and messing up. Yeah, it makes the next sequence with Eddie a bit weird. So Eddie runs out when Six picks up the belt and it turns into a tug of war. It is weird that Six got to his feet. First, after this big kind of spot. But they end up tug-of warring, Eddie's outside the ring, six is in. The ref is kind of distracted, I guess, but there's nothing illegal about what's happening. I have no idea when the ref sees it, why something isn't done about it. <laughs> but okay. Uh while the ref tells Eddie to le- uh to leave, Six hits Milanko with the title belt. It's kind of like a ricochet effect when Eddie lets go of the belt. milanko gets hit and that's the 1-2-3 for the win. A bit of a weird finish because of the botch, and I didn't really understand who was supposed
1: to have taken the bump and who was supposed to get up first, but I think a fine way to finish the match. I thought it was dumb. <laughs> thought it was dumb? <laughs> like we were saying with logic, the ref can see everything. I, it just annoys me whenever they do this. I don't know if it's just WCW, but the referees are terrible at not looking at interference.
0: They, their timing is really bad. I don't think there's been one ref spot where the ref has been looking at the correct team.
1: And I do think that's the referee's faults
0: and not the wrestler's faults a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I like the storyline of Eddie getting involved in the match though because it feels nice that somebody from WCW putting in an effort to try to stop the NWO and, you know, particularly Six and the NWO was like messing with Eddie for the past two months so it felt natural for him to finally try and help out and unfortunately he just doesn't, it doesn't pay through.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think it's poorly executed, but the thought is correct. I think Eddie should get involved and probably cost Dean the match. That's decent booking. If referee could just be looking in the right direction once on one of these pay-per-views, it would be fantastic, though.
1: Yeah, it's solid story progression, too. It actually builds for something else. Whether or not they do it, I haven't looked ahead too much, but it actually gives something for Dean to be involved with Eddie, then, and vice versa, and Six to be involved with all three of them if they want to. So. Yeah,
0: they have like inf- they have infinite combinations of feuds they can well not infinite but they have a lot of combination of feuds they can do after this. The opposite of booking yourself in a corner.
2: Yeah, I just like how X Pac just he always just manages to squeak by. He always just like sneakily gets away. You know he doesn't need the lackeys to help him really because it's like eh, we're not gonna help this little guy whatever. So he just kind of gets by on his own with his own tactics. So I like the match. It was okay. Uh, physical match started hot, cooled down. But overall, good opener. I thought this was a good way to open the pay-per-view.
0: I, I can agree with that. Not not our best opener by a margin, but absolutely fine. Hotline time, our favorite part of every show. We get me and Gene backstage, and he tells us, the absolute gall, can you guys believe it, that there's a WCW superstar that was having breakfast with Hogan and Bish. Whoa. Breakfast, the, the most treasonous <laughs> meal of the day. And he will tell you if you call into the hotline that night.
1: I can't. I can't believe every time I watch it, I can't believe how expensive it is. I'm like, man, they must have made so much money. <laughs> that
0: that generation's loot boxes, man. It is so predatory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is the worst.
2: Yeah, we were checking over the NWO hotline. That thing. Uh, that thing died after like a month.
0: <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> be, be badass, but don't you know? Tell your parents. No one's that badass that they don't tell their parents. Behave. Yeah, we we go from this. Completely exploitative segment into a DDP interview with Gene. Uh, He runs through all the NWO names saying they're all too busy to fight him. He can figure it out. They're all too scared or too busy. And then they find out over Gene's earpiece that it's Buff. Buff has the stuff to take on DDP for this one. DDP, in the classic kind of cool face way, just blows it off. Doesn't care. Doesn't think Buff can, uh, can beat him. And I think this is a fine little segment. I think I would have preferred, if they had waited to surprise DDP... Right before the match, it kind of spoils it a little bit, but I think the interview's fine.
1: I, I'd probably like it more if I hadn't seen it like three or four times on Nitro, because he does a, a very similar setup a
2: lot, and he's like, yeah, I don't care. I'll fight with whoever. Great. I I thought this was just kind of a waste of time. It's like, all right, I can't face this guy. He's worthless. Uh, this guy's wrestling. This guy's wrestling. That guy's worthless. Hmm, there's one guy left. Hmm, it's okay. like, come on. And
1: I swear I didn't I didn't get rid of Boss Man. <laughs> I swear. I had nothing yeah. to do with it. The one thing with DDP, and I do like him, but it's
0: going to get... I think a bit bad watching it over and over and I can, he's repetitive. He's repetitive because he wants to be ready for everything. So his interviews are going to be a bit repetitive and his matches are going to be a little bit repetitive, whether they're good or bad, because, you know, he's the guy that liked to practice this 7 million times beforehand. And I'm starting to see shades of that in the way he acts and the way, now that is wrestling. You know, Hulk Hogan has had the same match every pay-per-view we've covered so far.
2: Yeah, uh, I thought it could have been a lot better. Although I did enjoy the Eric Bisquick. He called Bischoff Bisquick. <laughs> that, yeah, that was very that was really funny.
0: We go from this interview into the second match of the night. We got Conan, Le Parker. Is it Villano? 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 How do you guys pronounce it?
1: I would have said Villano, but whatever.
0: Versus UV, Supercalo, and I need to get this one right as well. Ciclopo. Ciclope. I'm pronouncing it Ciclopo. <laughs>
1: Ciclope. Ciclope
0: Ciclope Yeah Who is actually just Ciclope sounds cool. amazing <laughs> Better Maybe better Than what he was called <laughs> here And the, comment, the commentators Do comment on it This is just a very typical Three on three Trios um, Luchador match We got Mike Tenay Down for this match as well Which is always A
1: delight Yeah Like Tenay's good I thought for a sec they weren't going to use him at all, but because he didn't show up for the cruiserweight match.
0: Yeah, I, I was, I was not expecting him on the card after not seeing him for the first match. But I guess they want his expertise. I don't know what Dusty would have been saying this entire match if today <laughs> wasn't just today, just wasn't taking it over. This is also multiple firsts for the podcast,
2: right? Yep. So L- the main, the main one because he'll be a mainstay. The other two guys not as much. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cyclope is famous for something, but not. It's not really to do with him though. <laughs> what is he famous for? he is the lucha wrestler that Dean dresses up as without spoiling too much
0: oh um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
1: by I, the time we get there we'll have forgotten so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time on the podcast that we hear Conan's new music right oh yeah it's kind of this rap music but he also says Dungeon of Doom at the start of it I don't know they're kind of fading away from that that kind of faction it doesn't mean as much anymore
2: no which I I do kind of like I don't like a lot of the wrestlers coming down to the same music uh, I think Q yeah. Morris also doesn't use the dungeon music anymore. So we're, we're definitely seeing uh, less and less people. I think only Sullivan and the faces use it.
0: Yeah, and in general, the faction isn't really doing anything. It's Sullivan versus Benoit. It's not even really a dungeon thing anymore at this stage. Yep,
2: which I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah, I'm a- <laughs> yeah. absolutely fine Agreed. with it. Agreed. Agreed.
0: <laughs> the, the face team, which is the team Conan is not on, come out to nothing. No reaction. Dead silence which is the worst kind of reaction.
2: Yeah, Hoovy's music, not the best.
0: No. So we get straight away, we get uh, the two more, let's call them rotund gentlemen, I don't know, in the ring. You know, they are older, but my God does Cicope try hard in this match. He is trying to pull off maneuvers like he's a much slenderer younger man than he is...
1: It's Lucha Libre, man. That's all they know. It's
0: all they live. (laughs) You do this till you die. You never change your moveset. (laughs) Yeah. The first kind of couple segments for the match is just each pair coming in and getting their trademark spots. Conan, well, he sticks out like a thumb because he's the only one that looks like an American wrestler here. The rest of them are in outrageous costumes, very of their time, mid to late 90s kind of Lucha Libre.
1: Cyclope looks like he made it at home. (laughs) <laughs> no, he, you're missing it, Dave. He's definitely one of the villains on Power Rangers. He
0: is definitely one of the Power Ranger <laughs> villains, good call.
2: It just doesn't help that Conan's <laughs> the only one that's been on TV like multiple times, too. I mean, Huvi's on TV once in a while.
1: And Callow has been on once as gems, well. Yeah. But, and again, looks like he
0: yeah. bought a lucha match from a uh, mask from a child's store. And sewed a hat onto it. The, like the costumes, just are not of high standard. Like someone like Ray, Ray looks like.
1: Ah, come on, La parkas one is cool. The parkas is the parkas is decent. I'll, I'll give it to. The parker looks like Skeletor. <laughs>
2: yeah. <He laughs> what
1: more can you want? Yeah. So every
0: wrestler, when they you know pair off into their tags, looks about even. They both get spots, except I think Conan, who kind of comes out on top. He hits his rolling clothesline. Mm, he hits so good. Uh, good <laughs> He actually does it well for once. I yeah. like, criticize him real, <laughs> real bad on it, and he actually times it well for the one time in his career. I got. It. I'm glad I caught it. And he just like lays out the other two people on the team as well. Everyone else just gets to face, you know, their partner in the match. He gets to take out multiple people, so we can tell who the I think the star is in the match. Right. Because also, there's, there's
2: really no face like or heel in this match, right? It's it's just like everybody's yeah. kind of face.
0: Yeah, Conan's team is I think technically the heel, but they're not doing heel things. So it doesn't really matter. And we don't know any of them well enough to establish this. So they're all just doing really, well, they're doing their best at doing flippy things, I guess.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't really spend too much time on a lot of this because it's totally superfluous. And this probably wasn't even announced beforehand. Nope. Which doesn't help things either, because like the crowd clearly doesn't have a clue. They're messing up a lot as well. So a lot of botches. There's multiple things oh, yeah. going wrong. I think in in the
0: and Callow do well and get their stuff across. You know they're the ter- they're the third parent into the ring, and Callow does some crazy things I can't even describe. Really on the cast, he does a really nice uh, on to the outside of the ring, and the Parker does his um, you know sitting Callow in a seat. On the outside and then suicide diving onto him, which is not more impressive than any other move, but it's cool. It's different. You remember it. He didn't screw it up, so it worked. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And that also sticks out from everything else in this match. What really I remember from this is Sikope doing the um, moonsault for two reasons. He does a moonsault to the outside from the eight, or from the top rope, not the top turnbuckle. He balances on the top rope and does a moonsault. He's a big guy and he's not very fast, and you can tell he's probably on the older side. So it's impressive that he tries this. It is less impressive two seconds later when he almost murders himself by completely missing his opponent on the outside and hitting his head. Another centimeter, I think, to the left, and he hits his head on the guardrail. It's very scary.
1: I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call out Dave just before we go any further. <laughs> Ciclope yeah. is like late twenties. Oh here. god! <laughs> yeah. Oh god! I knew I, I had to look it up. I was like, I don't think he's that old. Uh, That's unfortunate.
0: <laughs> he should probably have done better. <laughs> like Villano did much better than him, and is actually old at this stage. Yeah.
2: You know who also should have done better? Over. WCW in the internet ad, Dave. You met you. You almost oh. passed it. Yeah.
0: So mad. I was so mad. The best bit of every show is letting a wrestler shoulder heel chops. By shouting at nerd that's trying to help them with their website. But it was just put on dual screen. We couldn't even
2: hear it. I was so sad. What pisses me off more, too, is just like, you can't do this during a match. It just makes it, hey, <laughs> yeah, we do not care even, about these guys at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, Even WCW doesn't give a shit about this.
0: <laughs> yeah. After the travesty, which is the split screen for the po- best part of the pay-per-view, and after Asiko Bay almost murdering himself, they stopped bothering with tags. Because Cicope is obviously not doing well, so he just rolls out of the ring, and Yuvi U- just jumps in and starts wrestling and trying to pin. So we know he's legal. Uh, he also botches a four-fifty splash that could have killed someone yeah. Yeah. if his knee, uh, if his knee literally goes a centimeter to the right, I think he murders Vill- uh, Villano.
1: To top off that move, like, not only does he do a 450, which is, like, not very heard of. Yeah. Like, I think it's one of the first times I've seen it on the WCW stuff. The cameraman fucks
2: it up, and you can't even see it properly. <laughs> like... No, no.
1: It's, it's a weird one. <laughs> oh, WCW.
2: Tonight does comment that Hoovy is only 21 years old at this point, though. So I can give him a pass for just being so young, and he's obviously so green, and he's trying to do too much.
0: Yeah, again they're just trying to get spots in. We're trying to pull out certain ones from you. We I say I'm confused because it's confusing. It was a confusing match to watch. And I think it's summed up by Brain saying one thing during the match. I will give you a thousand dollars if you tell me who the legal men are. It's impossible. It can't be done. It cannot be done.
2: My other favorite commentator uh, notes here are um, Tony asks, Did Conan get the tag in there? And Brain's like, It doesn't matter, does it? (laughs) (laughs) I love when Bobby just doesn't care. (laughs) When they get the star on, Dusty's like, Look at this mess. (laughs) Yeah. The
0: star move that no one knows what's happening. The the, the, The heel care. Yeah, the heel team are doing like. A split leg double submission on the two faces to make their legs look like a star from above. And then La Parker does a Mexican stretch to the leftover teammate in the middle. No one cares. The crowd hate it. They're done already after such a hot opening match. After this submission, we pretend it doesn't happen. And the heels are on the outside. And we hit the triple suicide dive, which, thank God, Bay actually doesn't murder himself. He's worried about that the entire time. Yuvi gets into the ring. He tries to roll up Conan. Almost uh, gets the win, but Conan kicks up, hits the. Um, what do we want to call his finish? Does his finish have the name, the crucify crucifix power bomb into like a sit out power bomb?
1: You mean Scott Hall's finisher? <laughs> it's so similar
0: it is so similar it it is silly similar but at least he does the sit out at least it's a little different at the end but I don't know they haven't given it a name on commentary yet so I guess we won't give it a name the faces try and run in to stop the uh, pins and we get the two worst drop kicks of all time by the heel team on the faces to to stop the pinning predicament and Conan picks up the win over UV and I mean the two worst drop kicks I've ever seen very (laughs) much you could see like uh, the match is done just throw a kick Troy kicks kick, so I'm, I have an excuse not to twitch. Call on. Oh, okay, that's us
2: roll that. I mean, you kind of missed it though. I mean, whovy kicks out, and the ref counts three, which he was not supposed to do.
0: Yeah. Oh, you think it's a botched finish? It you is think it's supposed. No, to- it, it oh, is yeah. a botched
2: finish. It is. It's one hundred
0: percent. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were just doing the uh, you know kicked up at three point one new 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 new. No, no. no, yeah. The ref got no, no, no. a lot of heat
2: backstage for this.
0: For putting everyone out of their misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing ref has ever done in WCW. I mean,
1: to be fair, like, some of, some of this is kind of cool. They do some little bits and pieces in it. It's not a great match. I'm not going to try and defend it that much, but uh, there are some moments that are cool. I, wa- I wanted to point out a really, really... I don't think I'd ever seen it before, where Clope is in an arm lock with uh, Villano. They're doing the the typical spot where, like, He does the arm lock and he's wrenching it. And then the guy is going to flip out of it and he's going to roll through so that he can unlock his arm and get him in it instead. And the very first time I've ever seen it being done, the guy starts his rollout and Ciclope follows him and does the rollout with him.
0: Yeah, that was nice. It
1: was just such a subtle thing. And I'm like, that makes total sense. And they're all Lucha Libre guys. So why wouldn't they do that? That's really, really clever. I'm like, oh, good job. That was something cool. And then he went back to botching or something. (laughs) That's that's half the match. That's that's the whole
0: match. (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of impressed with Villano. He didn't really do anything wrong. The match is a bit of a mess, but you could see he's kind of older and grizzled. And (laughs) I have a feeling that um, Cyclops, Cyclops, Cyclops. Cyclopo, sorry. (laughs) Cyclopo. Cyclopo. He sounds like a a rugby player. I don't know. (laughs) He does. (laughs) It's like, I think he was hurt after the moonsault. But Vill- Villano just picks him up and puts him in the ring. He's like, no, come on, let's keep wrestling. And you can see he doesn't want him. You can see he just rolls out and He's like, I guess I'll take over the match. But uh, besides that, I don't know. It's just a spot fest. It's not a pay-per-view match. This is a Nitro match. There's 10 matches on this card. And this really didn't need to be here. This could have been minutes allocated to one of the many important matches that only got eight. There's a bunch of like eight-minute matches
2: on this oh, card. Yeah, this, this match felt like it went on way too long. I mean, I do like I do like Lucha matches. I mean, I wish we could have had maybe somebody like Psychosis or something. Somebody that we know better in this match. Like, just one more name, at least. Yeah. And I thought this match maybe could have uh, been a little bit more successful. But, yeah, it's just a filler match, so move on.
1: <laughs> yeah, kills the crowd. That's the other thing I want to mention.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah they, the crowd don't care. And it's mostly, I think, as you guys said they react to Conan a couple times in the match and you see Conan on the apron like hyping them up or doing or shouting at them there's no one on the face team to do that or what we're calling the face team like none of them are anything they're just doing spots but I think we can uh, move on to the next match which is a weird one. Uh, this matchup, of course, for the TV Championship, Prince Ioko winning it off William <laughs> Ayoko. Regal. Uh...
4: Ayoko. Oh, oh God damn
1: it. <laughs> We are building our own team of wrestlers, Suklopu and Ioko. <laughs> Dave, uh, I recommend you just call them Prince.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll say his name fully you once, Prince Ayakia. Okay. <laughs> next match of course, <laughs> Next match, we have a debutant. Prince Ayakia, who's the current TV champion against Rey Mysterio. IKea winning the title from William Regal on Nitro. We have a little kind of feud between Rey and Regal at the moment. They've had back and forth matches. Regal's been coming out on top. You know, Rey is still the smaller cruiserweight wrestler. But there's been timely draws, And Rey distracted Regal when he, was, when he had a title match against Prince, who... Hasn't been on TV or Nitro as much before this. Am I right, Connor?
2: Barely. I, I think he was on like one or two Saturday night matches. There was like one Nitro match, but he got squashed. So he was basically a jobber at this point. But this is Kevin Sullivan, one of his boys. And Kevin Sullivan just like, yeah, let's get you let's out there. Oh, no, him. he did appear. He did appear on the podcast. He oh, was yeah, one he of the random guys up. in World War Three.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is this is true. This is true. Apologies. Not a debutante. So, yeah. So, <laughs> Ray kind of costs or Regal blames Ray on uh, losing his title. And that's a few that I'm interested in seeing. Young, Young Regal versus Young Ray.
2: <sighs> yeah. Regal has been so good. So good uh, on Nitro too. He's so, so good as a, as a wrestler. <laughs> and his character is amazing. Right. I would, he definitely He's gotten the most response as being a heel as like a non-NWO member. If you want to watch the nitros of, of Regal doing his, his thing, he he's a joy to watch. I think Regal, and
0: why I love him, is the perfect balance of great matches and great character. If you look at the end of these cards, you have Hogan, Nash, and stuff like that. And they're too much character. They're depending completely on the heat they've built up over time to get reactions from the crowd and don't do a lot of wrestling. And then you have early in the card, or this previous match, who don't care about building psychology or story. They're just going to flip and murder themselves. And the eagles that really nice in between, I think. Almost perfect in between. But before we get into the match, is there any other background we should know about Prince Connor?
2: I don't really think so. I mean, he's born in Hawaii, so that's why he has that, like, Wahoo kind of kind of gimmick. And he's actually one of the few talents that come out of the power plant. That's the WCW training facility. We're not, not going to see too many homegrown talent from WCW, but this is one of the guys that they, they try to uh, push out of it. Trained by Dean Malenko, so that's kind of cool. He did spend some time in Japan, so that's kind of his background. But he pretty much came out of nowhere, and he's kind of like this like kind of underdog story to surprise victory, win over Regal. The WCW locker room like raises him on his shoulders. It's kind of like this big win for WCW for some reason. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, so <laughs>
0: the Regal's WCW. He's not NWO. I didn't get that. They literally won't come out and help Giant win a match or celebrate wins with Lex Luger and stuff like that. But they, they come out and celebrate with Prince on Nitro.
2: It's odd. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Very odd. Very I, I don't odd. know what they see in Prince because Prince is—he just—he's a good wrestler for sure. But I don't, I don't understand what they see in this guy. I mean, he just—he has no character. He has no charisma. So it's just—it uh, seems do. like a weird push out of nowhere.
0: I do. He's very handsome. He's a very—he's a very <laughs> yeah. handsome man. I'll, I'll give you that. Really? I'll give you that. I think uh, he's pretty handsome. Like if Roman Reigns is handsome, this guy's handsome.
2: Do you have a Samoa feathers or something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the,
0: the, I'm just saying i I, I think
1: <laughs> there was a bit of pause there wasn't there <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're you, you're missing the one other thing which is the actual debut It's the TV title yeah first time we, which I find kind of odd to have on pay-per-view when it's meant to be about a TV I, I don't know it's a bit confusing but it is a bit confusing for I'm, me
0: I never knew what to think of the TV title they had this TV title on ECw for a while as well under the same kind of premise so that started to get bigger and started to get defended on pay-per-views as well and i i don't know what i think of the concept of a title it's supposed to be the workman's title where i'm going to defend it on tv all the time so you have a reason to watch tv but also if i don't defend it on the pay-per-view it just doesn't mean anything right
1: well the point of it is is that they, you're much shorter matches and so there's like you end up having lots of time limit draws and that's how you build up matches with people because you're like okay you get to fight the tv champion and okay, you don't beat him, but he doesn't beat you. So then you've reason to watch them again. And they're like, oh, this guy actually wrestled the TV champion and he did okay. Or he has been the TV champion and he's wrestling every single week. It just seems weird to have him on pay-per-view randomly when it's meant to be geared towards you wanting to watch the TV shows to see it happen.
0: Yeah, which is kind of the opposite of what you usually have with a title. But I can agree with that. If that's the concept, why have it here?
2: I, I don't know. It never bothered me. Like when you're talking about ECW, that was a, the big thing when like Rob Van Dan have it. I like, I didn't care what the name of the belt is. Same thing with like the WWF, like European champion, like whatever, it doesn't matter. We, we all understand it's a, like a lower mid card belt where we're going to see some good wrestling type of thing. So, it, I mean, it bothers me when the, like the commentators are like, Oh, this is only on TV. This is, there's certain rules, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you don't need to do that. Just whatever.
0: Yeah. They tried to re uh, try to get across their point that there is a time limit. Though they never gave us the time limit, as far as I could remember, they never get it said it's ten minutes or fifteen minutes. but he's like, "Oh, he has to beat him in
1: time. What time? How much?" I think it's just a standardized thing for the TV title. Okay, that's, that's probably why they didn't say.
0: Oh, that's fair. That's that's more fair. Yeah.
2: And we've seen time limit draws on like on nitros, so it's kind of like, oh, if you've watched nitros, you'll know it's ten minutes type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, the big thing is here is like. This is supposed to be the upset of the world. So we're we're, we're expected to believe that Prince is this new star immediately, but uh, I don't know. I... <laughs> he is not when he comes out. No. <laughs> no. No.
0: No reaction. <laughs> a bit more reaction than the luchadors, but still pretty much no reaction. The commentary do a decent job though of telling us how much of an underdog he is and I think they do that less by burying Prince and more by building up Rey, which I think is the correct way to build an underdog. Cuz if you just tell us how bad Prince is, why should we care? But if you just say, I think he's an underdog because Rey is so fantastic and he's had multiple titles and he's only young, but he's like one of our best lower carters, essentially. And it's what they do and it makes both of them look good. So kudos, I think, to the commentary for the build-up of the match. What do you think about wrestling in bare feet? It seems dangerous to me. It probably isn't. But like, you could definitely just lose your grip, especially some of the moves he's trying to do.
1: I'd be scared. Somebody just easily steps on you. Ouch. Yeah, it feels like I, I would break my toes. Yeah.
0: It, it, it isn't old. Like I think it actually suits this guy gimmick. It suits this guy gimmick a little bit. The thing is, this gimmick is used to debt. Like it it suits his gimmick, but that's because every Samoan person at one stage has this gimmick, and that's kind of pigeonholing Samoan people pretty hard, or I- islanders in general pretty hard. E- even The Rock basically had this gimmick when he started.
1: Yeah, true. Actually, yeah.
0: We'll, we'll get into the match. We'll, we'll, I can so box about this. A different time. Yeah. And the main thing I've noted about the start of the match is Prince's timing is just off by two or three seconds continuously. Did you guys notice this?
2: I, I
1: think it's a bit harsh to say it's just him, to be honest.
2: Yeah, because we didn't note either. I mean, Ray is returning from his knee injury. I mean, his knee is still fucked, so maybe that's a bit uh, part of it, but um, I, I did not notice it.
0: It's just every time Prince gets up, Ray already seems ready to do the move a while before it. It's his pacing isn't fast enough. But that could also be Ray going too fast for a person that's trying to take a slower match. Besides that, it's a pretty kind of ordinary match. We get some chain wrestling at the start. The One of the things I've noted down is that halfway through the match, when Prince is taking control and we're doing the, you know, the underdog Ray kind of spiel, Brain says he won't be a Prince anymore when he beats Ray. He'll be a king. And Dusty says, well, the people have to vote for him first. That's not how kings work, Dusty. You're thinking thinking of something else. Uh,
2: I did like the awesome spin around 619 in the ropes that Ray does. I mean, he usually does that to like, oh, I'm going to fake you out. But this was just kind of like a, a normal throw him into the ropes. And he kind of did it as like, nope, I'm not bouncing back.
0: Yeah, kind of transition show, you know, I've got your number. I've kind of got things scouted.
2: Hey, look, I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, kind of like, yeah, that, that's not going to get me. We get a lot of talk from the commentary about how resilient Ray is while he's getting kind of beat up. Some basic suplexes and just some basic rest hold by Prince. They talk about all the times and all the punishment he's taken and just come back, and you usually see that in a lot bigger guys. And again, instead of tearing Prince down, the are building Ray up, which I like a lot. One spot that I thought should have come across a lot better, but the crowd just hated was when Prince does a military press to right, drops him, catches him, and does a backbreaker. I thought that looked kind of cool, and the crowd did not care, but I don't yeah. think they're caring about much this guy does.
2: They, they booed him. I, I thought originally it was just because he made it, he kind of slowed it down to make it, like, he wanted to make it safe. I think maybe it was just kind of like an ECW type of reaction. It's like, no, we want to see the move done, like, hard and fast.
0: If you if you could break Ray's back, we would enjoy seeing that very much, thank
2: yeah. you. But, yeah, Dave, I don't know what it was. I don't know really what it was, why the crowd just like, no, fuck you. Maybe it's just because they didn't like Prince.
0: Yeah, well, it might also be this thing where Prince isn't doing much wrong. As I said, I think the match is a bit sloppy and slow, which doesn't help. But Ray is so over at this stage that they're probably going to boo anyone you put in against Ray, right?
1: I mean maybe I I think it's some of the problem is like the last match they had promised a regal ray match instead that was the thing going in and then it gets changed a week out sure to a guy that nobody has a clue on and you just don't care as much like I just don't think they care about Prince at all. And Ray isn't really doing a lot of his really primo stuff. It's a really flat match. I really don't like this. It's probably the, the worst Ray match I've seen. Definitely so far.
0: It is. And there's yep. a lot of small stuff. Like when Prince goes for a crossbody, Ray grabs back momentum with a drop kick, but somehow that seems we've seen that spot multiple times. Somehow that seems worse than it usually does. Ray Hurricane runs as Prince to the outside is kind of famous Royal Rumble move from his win and does a suicide senton dive to the outside and again somehow that just seems a little worse than every time we've seen it before i
2: I thought i thought it was impressive though because like he does it through like the second row i really liked it yeah
0: i liked it but maybe it's just a feeling of the match and i'm just not that interested in it i don't think prince is particularly bad as i said i think he's sloppy but not unwatchable not certainly a lot better than some of the other things we're going to see on this card so i don't know why
1: i don't care at all because <laughs> they, they they haven't given you a reason to care yeah everything that's been built up that you've been told if you just watch super brawl all you've been told is he's lucky he fluked <laughs> it he's the champion out of nowhere and he, now he has to go wrestle Rey Mysterio and everybody's like okay so he should lose then right and he, you just kind of switch off a little bit it's it's not great booking I'd say no. that
2: no well I think it's hard to looking back at this because we know Iak is not going to go anywhere from this and he doesn't really have that great of a career in WCW so I, that's probably a part of it Dave we we you know this guy is not the most popular guy so you just know that this isn't going to do anything
0: yeah I don't want to maybe maybe kind of in a biased way I don't want to invest time in getting to like him because it's not going to matter and that that is a problem
1: looking back at things for sure I can definitely see that. But they definitely don't do him any oh, favors. No, no. They haven't set him up well. That's no,
0: not his fault. I don't think it is his fault that he's not getting a reaction here. Because we'll see uh, in a bit what a reaction is in this match. But uh, one of the things I liked, uh, one of the spots I did like in this match was the Samoan drop from the second rope. That's probably, I think, the best thing Prince uh, contributes to this match. I think that's the most positive thing I have to say about him. We're, we're At this stage, we're kind of getting the build-up, you know... Ray isn't exactly winning, but he manages to escape most things that Prince is trying to do. As we come to the end, we get this second rope Samoan drop. As that happens, we get our first big, big reaction from the match. Regal starts to walk down to the ring. And this is Regal's actual first appearance
2: on the podcast, right? Yeah, besides World War Three, Again, we can't really count that. Yeah, yeah. we're,
0: we're, we're going to stop counting that because it's, it's throwing Dave off here.
2: <laughs> For my stats, that yeah. all that matters. <laughs> he,
0: he is barely aged a day.
2: I love what he's wearing. Usually he doesn't wear like a suit and glasses. He looks snooty yeah. as hell. I just have damn Regal looks swank.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love him so-
0: holding, holding his hand behind his back real proper as he walks. Everything he does is just a heat magnet and the crowd hate him. The second they get a sniff of him, they're booing. And it's the biggest reaction we get in this match. So Ray botches a top rope Rana. He kind of, instead of getting his legs around uh, Prince's head, he gets them around his midriff, but they still sell it. And then he signals for the finish. He goes out to the apron. He's waiting for Prince to get up to hit. I assume they're using his kind of like springboard Rana as his given finish now. Or I don't know what to call. Again, I don't know what to call that move because commentary don't give out names to finishes very often for guys that aren't on very often. He goes to signal that and Regal rips the legs from under him. Ray sells that he's hurt his head. Regal throws him into the ring. Prince covers for the 1-2-3. After the match, we get kind of the double-face dynamic. Prince doesn't want the title anymore. He's trying to give it to Ray, But Ray gives him the rub, gives him back the title, says nah, puts up his hand. And during this, I think Regal is being fantastic by being an ultimate heel and just pointing at Prince and applauding like he's won the match by himself. And then the last thing we see from Regal... Regal on his knees, begging Ray to come out and fight him, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, and nobody cared. <laughs> that crowd just doesn't care. I think Rigo got reactions, but that's about it.
2: It's, I just wish Regal was in the match. It, I just wish it was just Rigo yeah. versus Ray. Yeah, big time.
0: hope really, Do we get that? Do we get kind of conclusion to that in pay-per-view? Or is that concluded in Nitro?
2: I think the conclusion is Rigo versus Ikea, I think, which is unfortunate, but that's where it goes.
0: Okay, um... Yeah, overall, as I said, it's not the worst match we're ever going to see. I think I'm being more critical about it because it's a Ray match. And I'm very really excited for Ray matches on these pay-per-views. I agree with you. It should have been a Regal. I wish it was Regal.
1: Uh, it's, a, it's a really disappointing match for me. I couldn't get into it. Aya isn't really that great. And Ray's just not on form. Not a good start to pay-per-view after <laughs> Dean's match.
0: <laughs> okay, well, from that, we get no reprieve. We go straight into another mean Gene, um, what we call plug, hotline plug, telling us about that devious WCW star with his breakfast shenanigans. Oh, I hate him so much, I want to make a phone call. But we also get uh, Gene interviewing the Giant, and I think this is a fine Giant promo.
3: Giant, come on in if you will. You certainly have got to be aware of the fact that the outsiders, Scott Hall and his partner Kevin Nash, are prone to play psychological warfare. Mind games, as they say, and certainly that's what they're doing, I think, with you tonight.
4: Well, of course, that's going to be their attitude, and that's going to be what they're going to try to do. I've ridden with these guys in the car. I know how bad they drive. I've roomed with them in hotels. I know what they are. They're all about the mind game, the psyche. That's what they're after. They want to get the giant rattle. They want me crazy. They want me insane. So I'm doing all kinds of crazy things that I shouldn't be doing. Well, if you can listen to me right now, you understand that I'm not erratic. I'm not crazy. I've got my composure. I'm going to play the game tonight the way I want to play it, and at my speed. I'm the conductor, and Hall and Nash are playing the instruments. And tonight, when it's all said and done, I guarantee you I'm walking away with those tag team belts. It's
0: distracting how much oil he has on <laughs> his
4: chest and arm.
1: He is wet. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He is, he is sopping. Oh, maybe he, they're about to baste him. Like.
0: Yeah. Grease me up, woman. <laughs> Grease me up. <laughs> yeah, Okie okay, dokie. <okay>. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a fine, I prefer these style promos. I've said this before from Giant. I hate He does very Hogan-esque promos where he shouts and he tells you what he's going to do, brother. But I like him when he's more composed and he's scarier that way. I think Andre was really scary When he just said things. Because he's enormous. You don't need to shout to be scary. You're the biggest person that's ever existed. So he talks about the mind games the NWO are trying to play. And they're going to try and make him angry. But he's driven with them. He lets us know they're bad drivers for some reason.
2: That's referencing the the car crash that we'll talk about.
0: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) He says silly things. But the tone in which he says it. And the way he delivers the interview is much better. He says he's the conductor. And they're the instruments. That doesn't make any sense. But it's fine because of the tone he says it in. And this is probably one of the better um, giant promos we've had so far.
1: It's a fine promo. He he's lo- He gets locked in on metaphors and analogies probably too much. And isn't quite clever enough to maybe follow it through sometimes. Like you're saying with the conductor one. I've seen far worse promos.
0: <laughs> he is very much trying to learn from Macho and Hogan and them guys. On how to wrestle and do promos. And you can see that. And you can see in his career it's really interesting. When he changes, not to get too deep into it, but when he starts fighting Austin and he does interviews about this later in his career, he becomes a giant. He stops trying to wrestle like an eighties or seventies character and he just starts throwing people around and throwing punches instead of trying to do all this weird stuff. And he starts doing promos differently. But yeah, he he tries to make these, you know, conductor and an instrument kind of thing that's very eighties. I'll let you I'll let you know guy kind of promos and I I hate them so I'm obviously going to hate it when he does it as well I might be a bit biased that way though uh match number four of the night we get buff versus DDP buff coming out to the amazing NWO B music just to let us know how much they value him as a wrestler (laughs) brain makes uh a piece of commentary here that I uh sums up my whole feeling maybe about the entire era I have nothing against the NWO if Hogan wasn't involved I know how you feel brain Paige's entrance, I'm still a fan of Paige's music, I don't know about you guys. He gets pyro this time. Already feels like a bigger deal, I think, than Buff coming into the ring.
2: Yeah, can't, we get, can't wait until we get the full bang and explosion. It's it's unfortunate that the network, we get the, the crappy network version of his music, but yeah, his his real actual music is, is sweet.
0: Yeah. Our crowd is super hot for him still. We've noted this, I think, every time
1: we've seen him. I don't know if I'd say super hot, but they actually care about him. I'll say that.
0: I guess they've had they've had to sit on their hands for the last two matches as well. So the first time they get a sniff of someone they recognize or care about, they're probably going to pop a bit. I have noted here it's nice to see kind of two WCW kind of original guys. This is these are their own kind of developed characters over years, because the NWO angle is hot, but it's all XWB guys. So it's nice to see two WCW originals do well. I think
1: this is fine. Like it's it's purely for for DDP's storyline. Yeah. There, there isn't really any other reason that they're having this, just that DDP is being a bit of a dickhead and messing with the NWO. He's really the only person from WCW that is actually trying to do anything about it, other than, say, Giant and Luger. That doesn't even seem to be really about being WCW anymore sometimes. So yeah, DDP is just like, yeah, I'm just better than you guys and I know that I could turn you down and so on, so. The match itself, Buff
0: spits on DDP at the start of the match. That's, that's a gimmick infringement. That's a haul thing. Page no-sells it and kind of wipes the spit off. Throws the t-shirt into the crowd. Crowd fights for it. And some lucky fan can go home and probably clone his own buff now. Who wouldn't want
1: a buff? He's the stuff.
0: Yeah, buff has the stuff, yeah. DDP looks in charge. He looks calm. He looks confident. He slaps buff in the face. Buff goes for, you know, the charge and gets dropped to holded. First kind of gets ruffled when buff pulls his hair and slams him to the ground. And then it becomes a bit more of kind of a normal match. He kind of sheds this cool guy exterior. One thing I'll give credit uh, to Buff about, I, I I think I gave him a lot of uh, negatives the last time we saw him. He's very good at playing to the crowd, I think. He knows where the camera is. He's obviously been taught to play to the camera a lot. I think it adds more. It adds a lot of character to his matches.
2: All right, definitely. I He's definitely improved over the past month. I mean, he spent the last month in Japan, so that's why there's zero buildup for this match. But I'm assuming that some of this time in Japan really helped with him as a wrestler and his character. Because he's definitely improved a lot over just one month.
1: Yeah, his his uh, his character work is much better. I'm hoping that over the next couple of months and as we see him more, the crowd will start to react to him more. Because they'll get used to the gimmick a bit better. DDP does his usual very basic strict Type of match again. It's kind of throwaway. If I had to, I probably wouldn't have the match on the card. But you know,
0: no. This also feels like a nitro match for sure because it doesn't even have a payoff. Not to run to the end too fast, but this doesn't even have a great payoff. This seems like something that would happen at the end of a nitro to lead into a pay per view. But we get both hitting a tornado DDT out of a corner, but he kind of turns it into a bulldog. I'm convinced again. This is a bit of a botch. But Tony says, that's almost like a diamond cutter, a bulldog, or a DDT. <laughs> Those are three different moves, Tony. Thanks. When Buff is ahead and he's kind of taunting to the crowd, we get some quick roll-up attempts by DDP, with Buff complaining to the referee each time, and DDP getting beaten down every time he tries. We get the classic spot where the referee has had enough of Buff through the match and shoves him back, and he hits the ground, and he starts cowering in the corner as the referee is shouting at him. This might sound weird, but I don't think this spot was earned in the match. I don't think Buff has a reputation of bullying referees. I don't think he bullied or touched this referee a lot. I don't think there was enough time in the match to develop this spot. So the payoff felt like this referee randomly just pushed Buff for no reason.
2: I feel like it's sort of earned just because... It's kind of this thing like, oh, WCW refs need to stand up for themselves against the crooked NWO type of thing. And, and the commentary even say, oh, about time this happened type of thing. Yeah. So there's a little bit of it, but I, I can see where you're, where you're coming from. That's fair.
0: I, I can take that point for sure. This ref show lets DDP get back into the match. We see a spinning clothesline, a sit-out powerbomb, some of the classics from DDP. We also see uh, Atomic Drop, which this is my pet peeve in wrestling. I heard someone discuss this recently. When someone grabs their junk after being atomic dropped and, you know, jumps up and down, it's like, oh, my area, that's a DQ, right? <laughs> like, should we be selling it? I remember atomic drops back in the old days, you know, you'd you'd hold like your your coccyx, your backbone, you know, like, ah, oh, the, the end of my back. But now this attitude era kind of stuff
1: is always like, oh, my groin. Man, you're, you're getting worried about atomic drop spots and being DQ'd. I can't wait to hear you for the main event. <laughs> main event is glorious.
0: All my notes are is, why hasn't this match ended? Why is not this match ended yet?
2: Every Hogan match, yep, here. This way, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get out the list, eh?
0: <laughs> this is just like a little pep, overall pep peeve wrestling thing. This is not just WCW. WWF get really bad for this in the Attitude Era because all faces just do atomic drops to heels the entire time. But we get an exchange of quick pin attempts. Dallas reverses a reverse neckbreaker into a diamond cutter before he can get the pin. NWO hits the ring, but Page runs out and gets the DQ win, which is surprising. I was I thought it was going to be like a count out win for Buff to, you know, save face for Boatman, But they give DDP the win and they make him look good. He's celebrating with the crowd again and has come out on top.
2: Kind of disappointed that they used the same ending as the month before. I mean, the match is just, it's a throwaway match. It's very average. It's, at least it's effective using the NWO to push DDP because DDP is going to be entering the main event scene very soon. So it's kind of like testing the waters for him and it's very effective. And that diamond cutter looked amazing, by the way. I thought it was nicely sold by Buff Bagwell. I was actually impressed with both guys in this match.
0: Yeah, I think that I've not given Buff enough credit. This is a finely worked match. Yeah, DDP looks good. I don't mind them using the same ending because it saves. Well, I, I would have liked if Buff won by countdown or something stupid like that to save face for Boatman. But it makes DDP look so strong. He's like the only person that's continuously tangling with the NWO and winning.
1: Yeah, you know, it's good to follow a storyline that you've been building for the last four months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> since half the other crowd have just ignored it. I, again, it's a very basic match. I get that they want to keep DDP present so that's fine and i'm happy enough that bagwell's the guy who gets the shot I, I would not have enjoyed it if it had been yeah. virgil or wall street it just would have been a drag still not great crowd wise though like they're not feeling this pay-per-view so far
0: uh, after this we get commentary um, showing us the wing winner of i think it's called clash of champions playstation tournament and he's obviously you know won a draw to go to this tournament and go to the show they make fun of him for howling A bunch of times into the camera.
3: Eh.
0: Don't make fun of your fans for making noise. That's literally just what they're there for and what every one of them are doing, but okay. But then they make fun of him for
2: playing. Right, yeah, it's not his fault that the cameraman just, like, they stay on him for, it feels like a minute. Yeah,
0: and a lot of fans make really weird noises at these NWO shows. There was a pretty, again, I'll use the term, rotund kid that they kept panning to. And he was making the weirdest <laughs> noises when they went to I know exactly time. who you're talking yeah.
3: about. <laughs> every time. <laughs>
0: don't, don't mean to body shame, just trying to actually <laughs> separate him from the crowd. Because there's a lot of weird, uh, weird noises being made by current members. But then as they pan away, they also make fun of the fact that he plays video games. He has literally won the experience to play a video game tournament and come to your show, and you're you're making fun of the noises he makes and what he chooses to do with his time.
2: A plus. Times have changed. Remember when game when playing games was not cool? It's cool. Uh, it's definitely cooler than it used to be. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely cooler than that. Like it's definitely
0: <laughs> cooler than Tony thinking he can take a shot at your life choices on TV. <laughs> There's no particular build for our next match. Match number five on the card is Eddie, who's the current US champion, versus Chris Jericho. And you would think this is um, a dream match, right? Young Eddie versus young Chris. Again, get ready to be sorely disappointed yeah
2: this this match does not uh start off on the right foot they have the wrong graphic i don't know if you guys noticed that it says television champion yeah yeah it was a tv title yeah
0: yeah the the whole thing about this match is just slightly off especially with two guys just good we're we're continuing to see chris just failing to connect with the crowd we all notice it's well documented and he's talked about it a lot in his uh biographies and in interviews just he's bland super bland and eddie isn't much better i think at this moment
1: no, there's no heat for this match whatsoever. They don't care about either person in this. Eddie didn't really get a reaction when he came out earlier in the night, so he doesn't have anything going for him. Again, it's the pro- same problem as the other matches. There's no build,
2: so why would anybody care about watching it?
0: You got eight minutes. Go do your thing. Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Both guys, they would have, they would have maybe succeeded if they went up against it, like a heel, like a regal or something like that. Face versus face. These two guys in particular, it's just, it's the worst thing for them.
0: Yeah, it really is. We do start to sow the seeds a little bit of, uh, I like to call it, crybaby Jericho. And he does it a couple times to the ref, and Brain, you know, keys us in on it. So, I don't know exactly when he heal turns, but maybe we're planting some seeds of that in this match.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a while. Oh well, but I do, I do see it though, because uh, the Lion Tamer is used for the first time.
0: Yeah, we do. After uh, some quick early exchanges nothing of note back and forth kind of average chris and eddie stuff we see our first line tamer after a big spine buster from chris yeah it, it reminds me more of the walls of jericho he used in his later career it's more boss and crabby than you know contorting the body and standing on their head the kind of heelish stuff but yeah i guess this is where it's born it's just used as a kind of transition uh, transition move that commentary pick apart for not him not sitting deep enough into <laughs>
1: This just feels like, to me, the best worst match I think I've ever seen. Yes. Where it's just, there's no heat, no reason to care. It's amazing how quickly two guys you think you should really enjoy gets so boring when there's no interaction. And you're just like, yeah, they're just, they're just doing moves.
0: I, I don't want to run too much through all these moves because there are a lot of moves in these eight minutes like I've done with these other matches. And they're all very typical Chris and Eddie things, but none of them stick out.
2: Well, it's not just that. The wrestlers don't seem to care at all. I mean, there's, like, a t- several no. pinfalls by Jericho that are just, like, very lax days Why are we wrestling then? It's, it's just pretty, such a weird match. Eddie
0: almost forgets to kick out of a move. The ref yeah. has to stop his hand. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And he just yeah. kicks up at, like, five. I'm like, what are you doing, Eddie? They they don't care. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think they've very obviously been told, out oh, go wrestle for the title. And, like, what? Like, do we get storylines? Like, or... Like, does Eddie even need to be on this card? He's already technically shown his face. Does this need to be a match? No, not really. I think how you can tell this isn't a well-thought-out match either is we get move-pin sequence, is what I call it. Jericho picks Eddie up and he does a brain buster or he does he does a powerbomb at one stage in the match and pins him. Eddie kicks up, gets up, gets the advantage, does a brain buster, pins him. Jericho gets to do his move. It's literally tit-for-tat, tit-for-tat, tit-for-tat. That's not storytelling, that's... Let's show them we can do a bunch of cool-ish looking moves, and hope that's enough for the crowd to get into it. If not, I don't know what what we have.
2: Brain tries to cover it up by blaming like Eddie is too distracted from his like mess up from earlier. But yeah, sorry, Brain, you, you can't cover you can't cover up this match.
0: Yeah, I really can't. I think the only part of psychology that I can really point out here to kind of get a flow in the match is at one stage they both look a bit tired. Boat men get get up, they both throw a shoulder block, they both go down, they both throw a a drop kick and a spinning heel kick respectively. And then they get up and they try and do like a shoulder block again, they both go down. And then it maybe makes it look like they're both wearing down. I thought, okay, they're going to like finish with a roll up or they're going to finish soon because they're both like, they've gone tit for tat and now they're too tired. No, they just go back to doing one move, you do a move, you do a move, you do a move. So what was that whole sequence about? You added this bit of psychology for nothing. The finish is Jericho reversing a Tornado DDT into a Northern Lights suplex... ...which Eddie breaks up by getting his foot to the second rope. We get a few standing switches before Jericho goes for a powerbomb. Eddie flips out, landing on his feet. He goes behind Jericho and I want to describe it as he swings a reverse head headscissors... Into a sunset flip for the tree count. Can you guys describe it better than that, or do you think that's a apt description of that final? Sounds
2: move? good. I, I just have roll up in my notes. Yeah. Good enough.
1: Yeah, good good email. Yeah, I have an elaborate roll up. I have tilt a whirl into roll up. So I think yours is the best. Yeah, okay. here, that's why you're the host. <laughs> that's why. <I'm> the host. <laughs> yeah. That's why we pay you. For nothing. But you know. The, the slightly more nothing
0: books. <laughs> yeah. It's the finish that should happen. These kind of matches between two up and comers. You don't want to bury each roll-up as the correct thing. There's a reason that a lot of new era matches with Bret Hart <laughs> finished in roll-ups. It's because it leaves both men looking fine. But, yeah, nothing ready to report here. Show of respect of Eddie putting the belt on Jericho's shoulders. Uh, Jericho giving it back and acting friendly. But we see a lot of frustration in him. And as we said, maybe this turns into the heel run we see. I think it's later this year.
1: This annoyed me a little bit because Ray and prince have done a similar yeah, thing a already ago. <laughs> i know it's a different context but i'm like i, I don't need to see it again <laughs>
2: same just disappointed with the talent in the ring we know it's earlier in the run but like we've seen good matches from both of them so i i just i can't explain what happened here <laughs> did you think they got told something or yeah
1: you guys are getting no no extra money this year meanwhile <laughs> all the other guys
2: yeah
0: it feels Fine. like it feels like they're down about something but it's hard to know Match number six of the night, gentlemen, and we get a um, triple threat tag team match, three way tag team match,
1: three way dance, triangle, don't, triangle don't, tor- tornado, or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we get the Faces of Fear, Public Enemy, and Harlem Heat. We've seen all these on the uh, on the podcast before. Very typical teams. We're told as the Faces of Fear come in that this was supposed to be number one contender match. Steiners, who were stripped of the titles, we saw them win them in the last pay per view. They were stripped of the titles by bischoff and the good faces like they are they went yeah we'll earn our spot back makes very little sense but they're going to earn their spot back in this number one contender match but then it's kind of implied that the outsiders get in a car crash on purpose with them but i know that segment is cut from air for controversial reasons Connor, did you see the segment is it it, yeah i mean
2: what i I meant is it's aired on nitro and you can still watch it but it's they don't mention it and they don't like show that segment again what happens is like the outsiders they follow the the steiners and they kind of like distracting them like oh look at us over here we're gonna race you and stuff like that and then the steiners they're distracted and then their car gets like turns over and crashes okay it's actually pretty well done they kind of cut away xbox supposed to be in the back seat kind of like shaky cam and you, you miss and they they do like a cut away and then you cut to the wreckage then so
0: the attitude era of wrestling Really likes to put wrestlers in situations where normal men would go to jail, right?
2: This one this one <laughs> yeah. is at least like, well, you didn't technically cause the crash, but it's yeah. weird that they showed the segment because the NWO did that videotape and they're like, oh, here, show the videotape. It's like, wh- why would you want to? This is kind of what almost show showing incriminating evidence <laughs> <Yeah>. of attempted <laughs> murder.
0: <laughs> My favorite wrestlers aren't as much, so I obviously enjoyed it immensely. They didn't even get their full entrance, though. Face of Fear were not even out of the ring before uh, Public Enemy's obnoxious music cut through it, waving their damn hands around. Oh, I
2: hate them. Hey, they hey. They've had one of the best matches on the podcast, right, right us <laughs> Very true.
1: <laughs> it is very true. It's still one of my favorites, I think.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but I have my really notes. Isn't this match just pointless, though? They, don't they just bury the match immediately? Uh, yeah, they
0: tell you it's not a number one contenders match anymore because the Steiners aren't in it, which makes no logical sense at all. Why isn't it a number one contenders match then? What, like, if, if you're not going to have it, if you're like, we have to postpone it and wait for the Steiners to get well, why have it at all?
2: Or just don't mention it. Yeah,
0: Harlem Heat comes out with their classic boasting to the camera and telling, telling them what they're going to do. Comes out with Sherry. We get the tag team rules explained to us, again, the three-way tag team rules, because... We have Australian viewers, technically. This is the few, first time that uh, WCW pay-per-view is being transmitted to Australia, apparently. So they went over it that anyone can get tagged in, but there's only two men in the ring. We've said this before. I hate this kind of match. It makes no sense. Why wouldn't I continuously be trying to get two of the same tag team in so we can pin each other and win? I don't know. These are all questions you don't need answered because it's wrestling,
2: I guess. Yeah, because we have some awesome teams in the ring. Yeah,
0: we do have some awesome teams, at least in the ring. I enjoyed this match. It's throwaway. It's not necessary, but I did enjoy it.
2: I th- I think Booker T in, in in general shines in this match. Like he's always looked good, but I don't know for some reason he looked particularly amazing in this match. Maybe maybe it's just because they're kind of tweeners now. It's kind of weird that like who's facing who's heel in this matchup. They're all of them are kind of a mixture of the of the two. Yeah, I guess the faces are the most heel out of everything, but still, they do their, like, sweet yeah, moves I, and stuff like that, so...
1: Yeah, to be fair, I think the crowd do think they're heels, I think it's just we enjoy them too much to really treat them like heels. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but Booker T, like, does, like, his... He does his amazing, like, Harlem sidekicks and his, like, sweet scissors kicks, like, he really plays it up. He really has, like, his babyface-type offense that he's kind of trying out that, oh singles run coming in the future wink wink
0: yeah you can really see in these type of matches and the same as why i mentioned conan so much in the trios match before you can see who they want to shine like they wanted conan to look good they wanted booker to look good in this match he got all his spots in he did his sweet you know elbow drop missed i'll just spin out of it and do my sidekick so many cool little spots by booker uh he takes a lot of the uh punishment from faces but the faces get a little time to shine they get all their sweet tag team moves in that we've got to talk about before on the cast they get their back body drop into a power bomb they do it on booker booker is not a light guy no we get a drop kick from
1: Savage. yeah and it's a sweet one yeah it's a real (laughs) sweet one
0: like barbarians an animal He is just, like, deadlifting people in this match, and it is incredible. We get the double-diving headbutts. We get some other cool uh, double-team moves from him. Stevie Ray, not as involved, gets a couple spots, but Booker's kind of the face because he gets beat down, and he gets to, you know, fight back a little bit. (laughs) Public enemy are barely involved. It's very obvious that, like, just let the good wrestlers wrestle, and you just get involved a little bit. One of my notes here is just Jesus the faces of fear are so ahead of their time. <laughs> Legitimately watching yeah. New Japan matchups where tag teams are just the faces of fear. We've said this a million times, this will be the last time I try and say it, I don't know why people dislike this team so much.
1: They're just so great. It's just the style, that's all it is. It's probably just not what people wanted at the time.
0: Barbarian and Meng should have been world champion, co-world champions for years, undefeated. <laughs> and it's believable because if you gave them something, you couldn't take it off them if you tried in real life.
1: Just don't p- worry. You'll see plenty of Mang anyway for the next couple of years at least <laughs>
0: because
2: Eric's too scared to fire yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll uh, get him in the Hall of Fame someday. Wouldn't you be? <laughs> yeah, I would. Be. Yeah,
0: yeah. So after the Faces of Fear being ahead a lot in this match and Booker getting to show off his kind of his whole move set, as we've said, uh, we kind of run into the finish. Booker gets knocked out of the ring with a bit, a really nice looking big boot by uh, by Barbarian. Stevie comes in to help him, but Mang just super kicks him right out of the ring, which I thought was. Fantastic. Grunge runs into the ring, throws out Meng. Rocco tries to do a top rope sent on, and Barbarian catches him in midair and doesn't even flinch. I thought that was hella impressive. Rocco is a big guy. And then Grunge jumps off the same top rope, cross bodying Rocco on top of Barbarian. They grab the referee because he was distracted. They get the tree count, and surprise, surprise, Public Enemy win this match, which
2: would have been the last team I thought would have won this one. Yeah, Harlem Heat and Faces are clearly the better teams. Yeah.
0: Clearly the better teams, clearly the more push teams, because Faces seems to be their go-to. You know, our big tag teams don't have anything to do, let them fight the Faces. And they obviously like Harlem Heat and have had the titles on them multiple times. So kind of weird. Maybe it's that, you know, Steiners are gone. We might as well give the win to anyone. It doesn't really matter. So why not surprise the crowd or give the crowd a pop? Like the crowd pops at Public Enemy.
2: Yeah, and to be fair, I don't think public enemies like that bad. We were probably like trashing them a little bit too much. They're they're just like limited, particularly when it's not a hardcore match in particular. So, you know, even though this is like a a filler match uh, again, at least this one is short, I thought. And each team was on their game. So uh, this was just fun all around. I actually had a good time watching this one.
1: Yeah, it's a fine match. The rules kind of hamper it because it's it's a terrible premise, and still, for me, anyway, I I still don't think the crowd really cares. Obviously, they they kind of pop for some people, like you mentioned already, but for the most part, they're still not into this. They're they're waiting on the last couple of matches. It feels at this point.
0: And again, at least this match has the positive of we get to build up Booker, we get to build up the faces a little bit. Uh, The funniest (laughs) aspect of this match is Dusty is in the middle of making a point after commentary. And the camera zooms over and an attractive woman, you know, <laughs> jumps up and down in front of the camera. Appears. And Dusty <laughs> stops dead. And is like, hello. It oh! <laughs> St- stops in the middle of a sentence and never continues it because a pretty woman was in the crowd.
2: Silence for five seconds too. Yep. Yeah. It was great. P-
0: professionalism at its height. Dusty Rhodes take a bow. This isn't a throwaway match, but a one I don't think the cast is going to be a fan of, but we got a couple more mm. matches until we run to the main events match number seven we got mongo versus jeff Jarrett. in the winner gets to be what well, if jeff wins he gets to be a horseman if mongo wins
2: i don't know
1: yeah they never really explain it uh, the
0: commentary also doesn't know so the commentary starts to build up what happens if there's five horsemen there's only always been four is one of them going to get kicked off well if you want to make this match feel important wcw maybe make us aware of that before the match this matchup feels way more important if Mongo gets, like, kicked off the horseman if he loses, right? If they're like, yeah, if someone has to go, it's probably going to be Chris because we're hating on him at the moment.
2: Yeah. They clear it up on the next night of Nitro that Flair is obviously hurt, but Arn admits on on air that he's hurt. And actually, Arn's career is over now. I, I didn't think it ended this soon, so. That's so sad. It is really sad. Like, ugh, I was loving Arn so much. His promos are are always spot on as well. That n- None. We don't see any more Arn matches. Yeah, I'm really disappointed. <laughs> yeah,
0: Arn is legit one of the most underestimated wrestlers of all time, I think. He is fantastic in the ring. He is really precise on the microphone. His psychology is very good. And I was really looking forward to seeing more of his matches.
2: Yep. The reasoning behind this match is, oh, the horsemen are, we don't have that many numbers. We need to add more instead of lose more is the kind of the thing. So yeah. But it doesn't really work during this match when you explain this after the match. Oh,
0: well. So, running into this match, another sub-team kind of of it is whose side is Deborah on? She's kind of been helping out Jarrett. We'll see it when we explain the match. It's kind of 50-50. And there's this constant disagreement and strife within the horsemen. And it's coming to a head for this match. This is actually, an impor- I think, an important enough storyline match for the horsemen. On the cast, we don't make it sound too important because we're not jared fans i don't think he's been great so far but it is progressing storyline and something that probably needed to happen on the pay-per-view start of the match very much the dynamic is that mongo's big and strong and a football player but jared can kind of out wrestle him we see jared wrestling him for the first few minutes but then we get mongo with a lot of power moves we get his t- three-point stance chop blocks which i think when wrestlers sell well look pretty impressive we see the kind of linesman push the kind of like hand push Into the corner, which I think is also a fine spot for him in a Paraslam. I like this side of Mongo. I know it's very safe, but those moves suit him. And I think he's getting a little bit better since the last time we saw him wrestle.
2: Oh, he's, he's definitely better. Some of his Nitro matches have actually impressed me a lot. I do like Brain's piece of commentary. He notes that Mongo holds the record for most consecutive games played in Bears history, which is actually true, and he still holds it. The record is 191 games, which is hella impressive.
0: That is stupid impressive in any
1: era of professional <laughs> and, sport. And,
2: and to think he still wrestles after that, too. That's just, that's insane. He must have been very lucky with injuries. Mm -hmm. he played in an era that was very physical as well
0: yeah he certainly has the look and physical prowess it's just we were very worried after seeing his first couple outings but looking fine against uh jared here this matchup is very um and i think mongo is kind of protected in this way there's a lot of storyline happening in this matchup deborah stops uh, mongo from chasing jared to the outside saying she wants it to be a fair match this gives Jared a chance to hit Mongo and kind of get the upper hand and start winning after these power moves. She says to the camera multiple times, I just want them to stay in the ring. They should stay in the ring. Which I like. I think Deborah plays up her role very well in this match.
2: I like how Dusty's like, she ought to be commissioner or something. And, oh, wow. <laughs> Who could have predicted that? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, we get Jared putting on the ab stretch and doing the uh, haul spot where he's grabbing the second rope. And like Deborah just nails his hand when he does it because she wants the match to be fair. So again, we're getting this kind of 50 50 who's she up for? Does she actually want, you know, the welfare of the horseman? Is that what she's after? And then there's like small things with uh, Deborah's comment- uh, kind of running commentary. Mongo press slams Jared and insists that he, tro- uh, he throws Jared inside the ring, keep the action inside the ring. We're getting this kind of constant nagging from her. Deborah gives uh, Jeff a tell in the match to wipe himself off when he goes outside, but Mongo uses it to choke him. Should probably be a DQ, but I'm not going to get into that. Uses it to choke <laughs> him and get the advantage again on the outside. Not sure who the face is supposed to be here. I think it's supposed to be Jared, but the crowd yeah. hate him.
2: Yeah, because they don't like the smart wrestler because apparently pointing at your head, that's that makes you smart. And doing hip tosses yeah. makes you smart, too. Damn it. That's I, where
0: my brain is uh, in, in my head. <laughs> damn you, Jared. <laughs> I, I hate that spot. That's where my brain is. That's what I think with. Look at it here. Yeah, I think it's kind of roles reversed. The crowd seemed not hot for Mongo, but they liked
1: Mongo. They didn't like Jared at there's, all. There's I a phrase I, I thought I'd never hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hot for Mongo. Ooh. Hot for Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> and I,
0: I don't think they I think this is the exact reverse of how they're Planning to book it I think they want Jar to be the good guy It's why he's still doing His like Strutting and like Cheering for really? the crowd Kind of stuff I think so
1: I don't think so at all <laughs> You think You think they mean it To be booked like that I think he's definitely Meant to be more of a Tweener heelish Kind of thing To By the end of it Like he does the At the very start of the match He does the um, He out chain wrestles Mongo and then he sits On top of the ropes Oh, the strut. He does a strut, like, which is, uh, no matter how much he thinks, is a heel move. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. You you can't do it.
0: I guess I don't know the point where he is trying to act like a heel or the crowd are making him a heel. It's hard to pinpoint exactly when that changes.
1: I mean, I think they've definitely started out when when we first saw him with the promos where he's like, oh, I want to fight for WCW and stuff. But now it just comes across as, I want to be a horseman because it's cool. And I don't give a shit, like, and I don't like Mongo. And it also looks and appears like he's stealing his wife.
0: Yes, and that can certainly be seen as heelish by the end of it as well. Maybe that's, by the end of the match, maybe we want to call him a heel, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so we get some forearms into two kind of sidewalk slams, a normal one and a modified one by Mongo for a two-count Jared gets the upper hand again, gets back up, hits a crossbody. I think he's the only person I've seen hit a crossbody and not had it reversed into like a away slam ever. (laughs) But he hits a crossbody. Michaels powers out of the pin, sending the Jared into the referee for a
2: fairly weak ref pump. Feather touch.
0: Yeah, Michaels didn't throw him hard enough. So the ref just had to act up when he got a slight bump, but I think they meant to put him like on top of the yeah. ref, you know. So when the ref is down holding his eyes, he's pretending he's saying that Jared got him in the eyes. Michael's asks for the briefcase. Deborah refuses. Michael's pulls her up to the apron. She throws the briefcase over her head. Jared catches it quite nicely. I thought it was a nice catch. Nails Mongo for the three count. Yeah, I think afterwards we can start calling him a heel because it is a pretty heelish finish to the match.
1: I hate these finishes. I hate them so much. <laughs> Again, it's the, the referee thing. I just I can't deal with it. Like I I know they've done they've set it up a little bit, but there's no way he wouldn't hear it or see it. I'm like. <laughs> oh stop bothering me with this
0: I do have noted what I hate is when they leave it in the ring so she's there I like when managers do small things like pull away the weaponry fast in case the referee sees it she doesn't even bother she's like yeah there's the thing that you heard Todd
1: and then the other part of it is that they at least have some sliver of like oh did she do it on purpose was it a mistake was it this or that and then they ruin it within like two minutes and they
2: just give away the entire thing yeah she winks at the cameras that we were talking about
1: yeah yeah and then afterwards
0: she kind of acts innocent she does it like she does it wrong she does it in the wrong order she like winks first and then she's like oh no mongo no you're supposed to like go oh no mongo and then wink at the camera afterwards it doesn't make any doesn't really make any sense
2: yeah deborah's never really been a good uh valet she's just yeah she's just never been a good manager really she's very bland she just doesn't really seem to know what to do ever she's just super vanilla
0: is she as vanilla as miss elizabeth has been so far
2: at least Miss Elizabeth, like she can spark some kind of emotion from me at times. It's not like all the time, but there's like key moments that are like historic that I'm like, oh my god, this is a touching moment. But Deborah's just like, I'm pretty, aren't I pretty? I'm gonna wave my hand. So, I'm not a huge fan of this match, never just been, never been a fan of this whole buildup. It's a lot of the same spots that we've been seeing for the past like several months. You know, a suitcase to, to somebody. Deborah helps somebody out. And I just want this feud to be done.
0: And so do I. And speaking of wanting the feuds to be done, match number eight, gentlemen, Ben Warnes versus Kevin Sullivan. If you like train wrecks, if you like absolute train wrecks of matches, this is a mwah, masterpiece of a train wreck. This, this feels like it should have had public enemy in it at some stage. <laughs> it is real bad. So... The new kind of spark brought to the uh, feud is the equalizer, I like to say. Jacqueline has debuted. She's booked mega strong. She's They mention multiple times ahead she couldn't beat up men. And she's kind of aligned herself with Sullivan. And there's an implied kind of history. So we get this kind of dynamic. Benoit's going through more troubles with the horsemen. And that backstory is still happening. And we get this dynamic between woman and Jacqueline. Kind of starting a feud of their own and it becomes kind of a mixed gender feud. It's it's kind of the reverse. They ha- kind of have the women as almost their enforcers because they get so involved in the matches. We have Sullivan coming into this pay per view. He's won three matches over the last month. Is that correct, Connor?
2: Yeah, he's been booked super strong. A lot of squash matches. I mean, I guess when you're yeah. the booker, you can you can do that, but. <laughs> but it's still it's still effective. I, I don't really mind when, in this era of wrestling, to have squash matches. You know, it's nice. He does his couple moves. He does his tree or woe thing. Get, in, get out, do a promo on Benoit. It's, it's effective. It's nothing amazing. It's just, once again, like I said in the beginning, they're just, like, simple wrestling booking here we're bringing an old girlfriend into this you took my wife so let's you know yeah. get mean and i'm gonna bring a different edge to this kind of match
0: it, it is it is very much old school kind of storyline traditionally i i sullivan's promo at the end where he's claiming like woman trapped him in paradise it's not really very sullivan i don't think i also think too legit to quit which is like the tagline for Jacqueline and sullivan is
2: that's it's weird we, right it's weird isn't that mc hammer song right didn't that come out like years before this Maybe. Yeah, it came out like seven years ago at this point.
0: (laughs) Nice. So when when both teams come to the ring, we find out the stipulation, which is Jackie and woman are to be strapped together. Dusty Rhodes, king of the strap match, commentating on the strap match.
1: But it's not a strap match. No, it's uh, they're
0: gonna keep them. St- it's like the whole the whole gimmick is we can't have these like women enforcers getting involved in the match. We got to keep them away from each other. And Jacqueline is now balancing out woman who's been involved in all of Benoit's matches. So the concept behind it, I think, is fine. That's about where Fine
1: stops in this I don't match.
0: Think so that's about where Fine stops in this match.
1: I don't think that concept works at all. Like there is no reason for them not to be able to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's it's loose.
1: Yeah, the strap
2: is loose. They lose it off their hands within <laughs> 20 seconds. Right. Yeah. F- and, and Dave, this is what you were talking about. Like, the the moment that the strap gets put on the women, like, that's where this match, this whole feud, just goes down the tank.
0: Yeah, this blood feud yeah. that has, like, real-life, actual connotations and, like, the actual people involved dislike each other and it has all this real, bitter, underlying, completely thrown out with the worst gimmicky match I've seen in a while. Straight away the tug-of-war starts with the strap, but instead of letting that build for like a minute or two and building tension, they're like fuck it, and they all just jump on each other. <laughs> <laughs> Screw this tug-of-war. Let's all just jump on each other. And then I'd cow like fight, to tell
2: you, <laughs> fight.
0: I'd like to tell you what happens <laughs> for a lot of the rest of the match. I cannot. Every bit of this is really distracting and none of it is wrestling.
1: <laughs> I mean, they get a really big pop. like They do. It is because it's two women fighting and they're like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. And they're hitting each other with a leather belt or whatever. They hit each other
0: in the uh, the gutal region. <laughs> what? <laughs> way more than they should. The camera is on them spanking each other with the strap for way too long while there's wrestling happening in the ring.
2: What makes it more ridiculous, too, is the commentary is just, like, laughing the whole time, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Blood feud. These men want to murder each other. That's just... That's just laugh at it.
2: Do they
1: call it a street fight or a death match? I'm trying Deck to remember. Match. Death match. It's uh, a... Yeah, what, so they're laughing at a death match. Okay, good yeah. to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know.
0: The first action we kind of see between both teams is Sully tries to get the cuff off Jackie and protect her when ben was down. This leads to him getting crotched with the leather strap for his troubles, Then Benoit tries to protect Woman, tries to get the strap off her, and he gets whipped on the back a couple times for his troubles. Within two minutes of the match though, right after this spot, Jackie loses her side of the strap, it just comes off. And Sullivan does the hangman spot, you know, choking out Benoit and hanging Uh, him outside the ring. Which I think looks Yeah, it looks so awkward and that's needlessly dangerous. I hate that spot. And Benoit also gets a nice big kick in the kick in the nuts from Jackie on the outside for his trouble. They also get a hold of the strap again. And even though Jacqueline doesn't ever have to hold on to the strap anymore because she's not connected, she uses a double clothesline, both the guys. I don't know why either woman would want to be part of hurting her competitor in the match.
1: But that's that's what they did. In fairness to Jackie, I don't think she's meant to lose the strap. No, I don't think so. And she's trying to to keep the illusion my problem, like, is when Kevin and Chris decide that they want to go walkie about and wander into the crowd in some the ref stays with the women. The women have nothing to do with the match. I didn't know that. like, <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
1: What? He, he stands in the ring, watches the women beat themselves up. And then the cameraman follows the guys who are actually wrestling. Oh,
2: God.
0: What are you doing? <laughs> what if one of them tries to pin the other guy? It's insane. Neither of the women can win the match. And he's watching them like real close, trying to like pull them apart. I'm like, what are you. Oh. Also, at that moment.
1: Referees are terrible. At that
0: moment, <laughs> uh, I think Tony says it, one of the best pieces of phrasing in wrestling history. They are strapping on each other.
1: Nice.
0: Please, Tony, phrasing, please. For the love of. <laughs> <laughs> just,
2: just, don't, just don't bring Eric back. That's fine. No, don't, <laughs> just, Fine. Yeah. Eric yeah. probably would have said on purpose, right? At yeah. least. <laughs> well,
1: I assume Eric would have booked the match on purpose so he could make yeah. it. Right. right. Uh...
0: Yeah, so as, as Gus says, we see this big, like, brawl walkies around backstage, a couple of body slams on, like, a vehicle and throwing bins at each other. Typical stuff. Brawl all the way back to the ring, so that was kind of needless. When we get back to the ring, we get a Tree of Woe to the. So Sully so can get the midsection knee and then the double stomps. Is that his finish? Yeah. That is terrible. Yep. That is
1: Correct. awful. Correct.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. A woman breaks up the pin, uh, letting Benoit hit a pile driver. So Benoit pulls out the table. Dusty letting us know it would probably be left behind by public enemy. So Benoit can have public enemy to tank for what happens next. Jackie tries to stop a diving headbutt through the table. Sullivan's on the table. But can't because... No reason because we've seen the strap get loose. But she pretends that the strap is still attached. So instead throws herself over Sullivan's body. So Benoit jumps on them. And all three of them bounce off the table. (laughs) It is horrible looking. It looked quite painful. But they, they like bounce off the table. They don't just slide. They don't try and bump to make it look worse. It looks like they just get brained by Benoit. Which is kind of funny and kind of tragic. Benoit rolls uh, Sullivan over, gets the count. The ref shakes his head for a second in almost disbelief. It's basically a 10 count. The ref just stands there not knowing what to do for a couple of seconds and then counts three. Arn, at the end of this match, and if this is his last contribution to pay-per-views, I'll be happy, is at the top of the ramp, just shaking his head. And that's funny, Aaron, because that's
1: exactly what I'm doing do <laughs> as well. The post-match stuff is i get that what they're trying to sell it doesn't come across the way it should but that's only because of i can't not remember what's to come and it just looks so bad that they're treating these people for head injuries and i'm like yeah and it goes on for so long as
0: well they make it look like they have the most incompetent metal medical staff of all time
1: I mean, three of the people who come out are, are definitely not medically trained. Uh, so. Yeah, what's his name? Lee,
2: Lee Marshall comes out. We need Lee Marshall. Lee Marshall all the commentary is one of these on that.
0: The commentary yeah. on that is so funny. One of, I think its brain just sarcastically says, oh, it must be serious if Lee's coming out. Ah,
2: God, this is so <laughs> weird. So, yeah, everybody gets taken away on stretchers. I mean, it, this takes forever. I, I want to say at least five minutes maybe. It- I
0: wouldn't mind if it was just the five minutes in the ring and then they were out the back the cameras follow them to the ambulances where it Man. takes another five minutes to load because it's not fast putting people in an ambulance. And Kevin Sullivan is finally coming to at the end and holds Jacqueline's hand. But I'm pretty sure he just shouts at someone to hurry up at one stage.
2: That, that would make more sense. I, I thought something else was going to happen. I, I think like when they went to the backstage, I'm like, all right, something else is going to happen. Yeah. They're going to either like, get up and try and fight again or something. But keep yeah, fighting, nothing yeah. happens and this, this match, gentlemen.
0: Yeah, I thought, that, I thought that, you know, Sullivan has a stable of guys. I thought they were going to come beat up Benoit on the, on the stretcher. Nope. Bouncing table, killing three people, I guess.
2: It's weird, too, because they've had these kind of walk and brawl matches already. They've had, what, three or four already? I mean, the table not breaking, that obviously hurt the match, and it obviously hurt the ending, too. Just makes it doesn't seem credible at all. But this is just like a typical WCW thing that we need to get used to. We can build momentum nicely, but the execution at the pay-per-view is so bad. I mean, Sullivan, he had some decent promos, but the guy, he's 48, and he just doesn't seem like a legit threat to me, like a guy like Benoit is. Props to Sullivan, he's the booker, but and he's putting over a young guy like Benoit, but just the whole thing, it just every, everything seems blah after this. Get a better
0: finish, Sullivan, if you're listening. <laughs> it's a horrible finish.
1: I'm sure he's
2: really worried about it
1: now, yeah.
0: (laughs) Especially, like, if Kevin was jumping and, like, pulling his legs up and, like, stomping, like, or Like, modern example, Finn Balor does a standing stomp and it looks like it hurts. Kev looks like he was, like, a tiny child doing jump rope for the first time. It was so bizarre. Why is that a finish? I don't
2: (sighs) know. His whole wrestling ability is just not great. He doesn't sell very well either in this match.
1: No, they, they go through large portions where they just Neither don't. of them sell to each other. Like yeah. they throw bins at each other and they just yeah. kind of go, oh,
2: ah, whatever.
0: Nah. Yeah, apparently Sullivan isn't a terrible wrestler when he's younger either. It's yeah, just, I don't
2: doubt really it. It's just, just he's, he's, he's a lot older at this stage. Yeah, it's so it's tough. I, I understand. And it'd be okay. I'm like, all right, this feud is over. But no. We have one more match in this feud, gentlemen. So,
1: <sighs>
2: luckily, that will be the last. <laughs> that's gonna be the last Kevin Sullivan match, though, that we get. So, thank God.
0: I wonder what amazing stipulations gonna be here next time. I hope there's honey badgers in the ring with them.
2: <laughs> I before we move
1: on, a quick bit of trivia. Do you know the two wrestlers that come out?
2: One's Paul Orndorff and yep. Terry Taylor.
1: Correct. Yeah. It's the red yeah. rooster himself. Poor yes. Terry
0: Taylor never never got a proper big run. What did he do to someone?
2: Uh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: what did he
2: yeah, do? I was really I was really disappointed in this match. I, it was it's probably the worst match of the night. I think like you know the 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 lucha match. It's like yeah, it's bad, it's throwaway, but like it's not this bad. I think.
1: The only thing this match has going for it is it has actual crowd interaction. Yeah. Because they're doing such wacky stuff that the crowd can't help be involved in it. It's not put together well. There's no real flow. Uh, it's not. It's a terrible match.
0: Yeah, I, I understand some of the philosophies of booking behind it, but it just didn't pay off at all and was a mess. I think we're ready to move on to <laughs> Hugh Morris in a cell. Yep. Advertising is uncensored, <laughs> which is our next pay per view. We'll be covering telling us people are going to tear each other apart and would someone let him out, please? No. That is exactly where you belong, you Morris, and
1: that's where you can stay. Do you think Do you think he's shooting on Roddy Piper? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 no coordination at all.
0: Uh, next match of the night, we get the Outsiders, Tie Team Champions versus just Giant. It was supposed to be Giant and Lex Luger, but Lex has been uh, banned from ringside. Eric Bischoff has uh, banned him, as commentary say. He is a... Uh, kayfabe injured there's a whole gimmick where eric is refusing and abusing his power refusing to let him uh, wrestle but uh luger has said in his commentary is quoted multiple times you can't stop me from buying a ticket even though we don't see lex in the crowd so i don't know why they keep quoting that and you uh, you can't stop me from being there giant and lex have uh, built up a team over the last while lex hates the nwo so much he's willing to team with anyone and he helps hogan he helps sorry, Giant in his match with Hogan, stopping the Outsiders from interfering and there's a standoff between the two teams. The Outsiders then injure Lex's arm and we get this whole Bischoff won't let him wrestle and, and now a handicap match with Giants to try and retain their titles. So I think some decent storyline coming into this, something you can like get behind and sink your teeth into
2: yeah it's it's something at least the outsiders have something because most of the matches we've seen them is just like yeah whatever we're the outsiders we'll wrestle against you so this is finally something that's built up at least and they're going against like a legitimate wcw like representatives as well
0: yeah uh we get six coming out with the outsiders again elevating six a bit showing them that maybe he's not just random player maybe one day he'll have his own music like a real boy and uh <laughs> hull and six are wearing uh Azteca tops, which Dusty misreads to say Alcatraz and starts asking, do you think they're thinking about Piper and Alcatraz? The rest of the commentary team are baffled, not knowing where he's seeing the word Alcatraz from.
1: Dusty so, at least tries to uh, to cover up, and he's like, I was just <laughs> testing you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it has something to do with Alcatraz, right? It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those
0: of you that don't know, I'm not sure why they're wearing the tops, but uh, Azteca was a wrestling federation in... Mexico, I think at this stage, it was being run by Conan, and it's where a lot of the luchadors from WCW come from. There's some kind of agreement between WCW and them to kind of supply these workers and give their workers a chance to be on TV. It's the third biggest, I think, wrestling federation at the time in Mexico. Sadly, they cut ties with them next year, and it basically destroys the company. WCW put it in the contract of a bunch of their luchadors that they cannot work for Azteca and WCW at the same time, so they kinda of get buried. That's pretty cutthroat. Just found that I didn't even know about them until I'd seen Hall's top. I'm not sure why Hall and Six are wearing them though. If any of the listeners know why, would love to hear hit us up on social media with that answer.
2: Yeah. It's just it's just a strange thing altogether. I mean, when like Sonny Ono wears the new Japan shirt, it's like it makes sense in the storyline and there's they're obviously partners, so there's some other connection here this one just has nothing so uh. assume
0: that the nwo nwo maybe made an appearance down there but i can't be 100 percent giant comes out to no music is this just a network thing or
2: no we have, this has been established since the last pay-per-view so yeah it's, yep.
0: it's just continuing yep. it's just weirder now because he also gets pyro when do we know when he gets music back
2: I'm guessing he doesn't because he, he turns so frequently that they just don't, like, bother, I think. <laughs> Started his
0: career <laughs> and ended his career that way. Uh, we get the classic Hall, uh, Nash, Rock, Paper, Scissors start. They're really taunting, and they're go- they're going after Giant Hard and making fun of the way he moves and talks and... We're doing the rock, paper, scissors, we he got does, the
2: He does the Frankenstein, like he puts his arms out yeah. or the, the mummy walk, or whatever. I'm like, What? Yeah,
0: he does the the old horror yeah. horror movie Mummy Walk, which I thought was fantastic. He starts making like doy kind of faces, if you know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, This is the harshest you've treated another another wrestler. Poor Giant.
2: But to be to be fair, Giant looks great in this match, though.
0: Yeah, I think this is the best Giant has looked. Yeah. I think Hall does a very good job of putting him over because Hall is the classic, you know, I don't care, heel, you're a pleb, I'm going to beat you. But Giant just outdoes him every time. You know, Hall gets a couple moves in. Hall throws the two pick. He's trying to get into his head. And Giant destroys him, throws him into the corner. Big chops for every chop that Hall does. You know, Giant gets a bunch of them back. And I uh, think Hall and Nash... A very good job of putting him over in this match.
1: This is probably the best rehab he gets in months. Like, they've been doing such a bad job with him, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, he's actually the giant again. He's beating up two lads, and not just any two lads, they're basically the head of the company at the moment. And he's still kind of staying with them and making a match out of it and really, really pushing them to their limits. And you're like, oh, he might actually be able to beat these guys. This guy is. One badass dude. Like, I, I mean, obviously he's seven foot tall, but he's really putting in the work and he has an awesome, awesome dropkick. Yeah.
0: yeah, it finally <laughs>
1: looks better. <laughs> he's hit and
0: miss. When it looks good, it looks so good. He does a body slam early in the match to Hall where he's basically almost in his corner and almost throws Hall to, his cor- like to Hall's corner, which I thought was hella impressive. And then was just like begging him to tag in Nash, which I thought was a really cool. And again, makes him look like a badass... Scott, of course, can't leave the ring without getting some of his heat back, so spits on the Giant as he leaves the ring. Nash gets some offense in, but it's not a lot until we see Giant just manhandling him. On the outside, Giant just picks him up like he's nothing and like rams him into the ring post. Both of them look in a lot of trouble until we get to the kind of midway mark and Six starts getting involved. And he jumps off the top rope with the title to hit Giant and stagger him. Not even floor him, stagger him while Hall strikes the referee. And we get a two count after a couple moves after that. And this is when we start to see kind of the numbers game take over. Hall and on the outside and Six continuously get involved. Uh, Nash is doing a lot of big power moves. And this is the only time we see them get any kind of grip when it's like all three of them against one. And I think, again, even when Giant is down, it takes all three of them. And he's looking great in this match.
2: Yeah, I've noticed that compared to the last month, NWO are like in their element now. Like it's their heel stick kinda of works properly now. Now that we have a proper ref, everything works now. All these cheap shots work. Except the, the hitting of the belt, remember when when Giant got hit by the world title at Hog Wild, like he completely went down for like ten minutes and the cruiserweight belt's like, eh, whatever, light touch. I'm <laughs>
1: fine. I mean, he's half the size of Hogan, so <laughs> <enough>. uh,
0: <laughs> one of the things I want to note here is Six tries one of his stupid backspin kicks when uh giant is hung out on the second rope, completely misses, and just nonchalantly walks off and giant still sells it. He still like
2: flinches. That looked horrible. Yeah, poor poor Xbox. I'm trying to build you up and then you just bring it back down.
0: <laughs> it's that stupid kick, man. He does it for his entire career, and I hate it so much. Oh, I like it. Uh it's not that bad a uh, kick. That's the noise I imagine he makes when he makes, does it. <laughs>
1: uh got you. I think you're going to have to defend him more Connor. <laughs>
2: I, I will. In the, N, in the N64 game, man that move is yeah. so much fun yeah. to do. Yeah. Well, you
0: never miss it in the N64.
2: Your one and only is being, is being <laughs> insulted.
0: <laughs> so Giant starts to build a bit of a head of steam after getting double teamed for a while. Both outsiders down after kicks and clotheslines aplenty. Six tries to, uh, tries to top rope title shot again but gets caught and thrown into Nash. But Hall picks up the dropped title that Six had, hits, uh, gets hit in the back of the head, and jackknife powerbomb by uh, Nash. He sold it like the ring nearly exploded and he fell down and was saying that his back was like broken afterwards. But that's the most Nash has ever put into a powerbomb in his life. He usually does like 10% of the move and the other guy has to flip through it and yeah, I think he nails it.
1: I think you'll see I don't know if we get to it but the next time he does it does not end well. Oh yeah, I've seen
0: that and I did I, we do get to it and it, he almost murders him. Oh, great.
2: But yeah, that was that was a legit holy shit spot. I popped when I when I first saw it. I think yeah. I love the uh, spot.
0: Does it really need to be at this kind of like this isn't a big pay-per-view.
2: Yeah, you think you saw you're saying they could have saved it maybe?
0: Yeah. I think they could have saved it. It's a bit like the body slam like now everyone's got Giant up off her, his feet, you know? Hogan's done it. Mm-hmm. Nash has done it. Is, is Six going to do it next? You know, you, <laughs> you've you not even had the NWO for a year and you're burning through all of them already doing this to Giant. It means less. I think it's a cool spot, but it would have been, I think, if it was built up more or if it was a singles match between Nash and Giant, it would have been a bit better. But it was still hella awesome. Don't, don't get me wrong. We start to hit the home stretch here and we get Luger coming out not from the crowd like the commentary team kind of insinuated, which I think would have been cooler seeing like Luger sitting in the crowd and getting more and more fed up and just jumping the barricade. We see him come out from the back with his cast on, and Bischoff tries to stop him. They don't even milk it for two seconds. He just grabs Bischoff, throws him away. He's in his streets, which I think I, I like that. I like when these guys don't look like they were planning to come out all along. Gets the hot tag, clotheslines for everyone and their mothers out, Everyone gets Nash up in the rack and he taps out because he was selling his back from the jackknife. And that's all she wrote. We get new tag team champions, we hope, because the last new tag team champions were stripped. I don't know what happens on the nitros uh, yet. Well, and after the match, mm, we even get a choke I, sound. I was, I was
1: going to talk about that, so don't worry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we get a choke sound from Hall for good measure. And for some reason, he also pins Hall. There's a reason. The ref counts it. Uh, the commentators try and give it a good reason which is you know you can't say that giants didn't win the match now so bischoff can't do shenanigans but do you, do you sound like you know a bit more about this uh, the aftermath Gus? do you want to bring us through it a bit
1: uh, immediately after the finish is awful i'll just speak quickly luger is super over here gets massive yeah. massive pop when he does yeah. him, and when he runs wild the crowd is going nuts for him right finish looks cool looks great So they're like, okay, they've given up to to Luger's rack. And then Hogan, or Giant Hogan. uh, (laughs) Giant gives him a chokeslam for good measure and then gets the pin. And it's mentioned they're like, well, they can't say that he didn't win the match. What's the exact thing they do the next night on Nitro? Give the belts back to the outsiders. (sighs) They basically repeat sold out, except they don't full on go, that's bullshit, that's going back. This time they're like, oh, they must be able to get away with it this time, right? Nope, nope, nope. That sucks. To, it shits on it so, so badly, the next night. Nice.
0: <laughs> what makes you feel like, why did I bother? Like, now it's now pay-per-views work differently. But back then, it must make you feel like, why did I bother paying for the pay-per-view when what happens in the pay-per-view doesn't matter, right?
2: Yeah, at least, I mean, even though they, they, the belts are stripped, there are at least are story developments that do affect our next episode. So, we'll, we'll talk more about that later.
0: Yeah, I... I like this match we talked about already. I think that it served a very good purpose, and I think Gus hit the nail on the head. This rehab giant, this is the first time we've seen him look like a big deal in a while and take three prominent NWO members to take him on.
2: Probably my match of the night. uh, Great spots, although it started off a little slow for my liking. But the thing I like is just WCW, they finally got, they feel like they've gotten legitimately won over on the NWO. But both teams are still over, I think, because everybody's finishers are still deadly. And I think that's why I love about this era of wrestling is finishers are just like, oh, finisher, that that's it. If you get the rack on it, you're done. I, I love how they protect the some of these finishers.
0: Yeah, the, cho- the choke slam at this stage also looks godly, and he's doing it when he like follows them to the mat. He's doing the non lazy version of the choke slam where he goes down with them, and it looks like he's about to put them to the ring. I think everyone in that ring at the moment, besides six is pretty protected. Giant wasn't, but booking
1: like this will uh, build him back up fast. Yeah, I agree with Connor. Uh, it's the best match of the
2: night. Yeah. I, I have best Giant match and best Outsiders match so far in the cast.
0: Uh, this match doesn't have the faces of fear, but mm. maybe it's okay. <laughs> maybe it's okay. <laughs> Are you gentlemen ready for the uh, nail-biting main event? Oh,
1: I've been waiting for so long. Yes.
0: <laughs> match number 10 of the uh, night, your WCW champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, versus I like to stay in an abandoned prison for a week around the Artie Piper. And we've gone through a lot of the build for this already, but I think that Nitro itself will be able to tell you better than I ever could. You
3: know, folks, I've been on the road my whole life. I'm going to wind this up. That was my last fight, man. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> I made a promise to my little kid, told that, that I was quitting. And I was giving it all up! Well, the battle's really got kicked right now. Fighting for all he's worth. Hogan stopped the crowd with that offensive flurry.
4: And I thought you took off with your
3: family and were at peace with yourself. I made a promise to my boy! And then you, you had to come out make me break my promise to my little boy. What lie did you tell your son when you said that you would retire that you said you'd be the, the father you're supposed to be. Terry, I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart, man. Don't do nothing, just let me go home, man. Bringing family out here, bringing your boy out here, don't tell me that you don't know what you're doing. You people better shut up or something real bad might happen. Well, Roddy, wait, wait a minute. You don't, you don't have to do this in front of your son. You don't need to be humiliated like this. I just want to get out of here, okay? Well, I, I don't blame you. You make me sick because you're hiding behind a kid. So why don't you just pack it up and get out of my sport?
1: Okay. Go get him, Dad. Oh, he
3: said, go get him, Daddy.
0: So we're getting a more personal feud this time. It already seemed personal, but this is Piper, Hogan too. This time it's more personal -er, and it's about Piper being, you know, farther and wanting to step away and Hogan insulting him a lot in front of his son. Basic booking, basic getting family involved. Nothing very special besides the bizarre Alcatraz stuff happening here. Do you guys like the build up for this feud or the, the excuse to have another match?
2: I actually kind of did I think the the promo package is nice watching the promos I think I was very impressed with Piper because I know I've given a lot of crap for a lot of his promos before because a lot of it's nonsensical stuff he still does that that kind of Piper but a lot of this other stuff it just makes a lot more sense and he's very subdued and it's just his motivations are just a lot more clear and I can get behind him now. Yeah,
0: I think, I think it's a lot more logical the second time around. I think the first one felt very thrown together and just now does, as much as I joke feel more personal. And, you know, like they dragged him back in through the mud. He was ready to go. It's like a cop movie, you know. I'm getting too old for this shit kind of <laughs> angle to it. And I'm, I'm more interested than I was the first time around. Uh, Hogan comes out with his uh, classic NWO music. And he comes out with Vincent and Ted. Not really the protection you want for a match, but fine. You know, I'm, I'm not the leader of the NWO. I can't choose that stuff. Piper comes out. I do love Piper's music. I know it's like just bagpipes, but I do like his character and his music, even though he's kind of past at this stage. Didn't change
2: shirt. It's still wet and ripped. Brain says he didn't sleep for a week. He just talked in his cell. I don't, I don't know about that one. But. <laughs> that's how you die. That's how you die.
0: That's not how
1: you live. Well, genuinely, yeah, you go yeah. mental. You, like. you would
0: just die. <laughs> what I thought was going to happen was Brain mentioned that security were like holding him backstage until the match because they didn't want the match to start until, until the match started. But then he just came out by himself. I thought he was going to come out with, like surrounded by security. And then they'd like let him go and he'd jump on Hogan. I thought that would be cool. Nah, he's just <laughs> out in his wet t-shirt.
2: The match definitely lacked that. It definitely lacked the continuity from what we saw the the opening shot. So
0: yeah, it felt it felt like the o- the opening shot was wasted. The only connection to the opening shot and Piper being there was his clothes were dirty. Yeah, that was the only connector, and that didn't make it feels like you wasted money filming it. Like I really, those security guards you had at Alcatraz needed to come to the ring with him. And it didn't even need to make sense. You just needed to connect Alcatraz with the the action. And you didn't. And I think that was a waste of a potential spot. Um, We get a very classic opening start from Hogan for the match. He spits on Piper's kilt. Tries to get Piper to run after him or after stopping it. And, of course, every Hogan match starts with Hogan pretending he's going to go home. Four or five times. Walking away. Brushing off Piper. Trying to get Piper to come to him. But, slight difference to Hogan match is piper gets to him first and they just let piper stay hot and let the crowd be hot for the first five six minutes i would say but here's where the match kind of loses for me it's not a great wrestling match (laughs) but in the first couple seconds of the match when hogan's on the floor he just sticks his eye his finger in hogan's eye he doesn't like hide it like his normal kind of quick poke to the eye when the ref's not looking he just sticks his finger out and jams it in hogan's eye Hogan then stands up and he low blows him. That's a double key, DQ within two seconds of the match. After that, he chokes Hogan with his t-shirt. That's three DQs. He then bites Hogan's face. You missed the chair shot to the That's four DQs.
1: <laughs> that, that's coming. Yeah, you that's missed coming. The, the weak as shit chair. <laughs> that, this, this is only the
0: start of the match. This is the first couple seconds that chair shot comes. That's four DQs in the first like minute of the match. What is happening, guys? Why why is this allowed when Roddy Piper's in the match? This, it's sorry, it's hard to suspend disbelief for this when all Piper is doing is cheating every two seconds.
2: Yeah, lots of no selling from Piper too. He just doesn't really seem to be in the match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: he just doesn't sell anything. Hogan does for the first five minutes. Hogan crawls outside, tries to like smack Roddy's knee and hip off the ring. Nope, have a finger poke to the eye. DQ number five crawling away piper just picks up a chair hits him that's dq number six the match is less than eight minutes wrong what is happening it is just uh he no sells a low blow (laughs) hogan then low blows him roddy grabs his crotch for a second and pokes hogan in the eye (laughs) this is bizarre it's funny bizarre it's quite bizarre more biting ensues after that that's another dq <laughs>
2: he's biting his nose at this point too i was like geez. yeah <laughs> he's,
0: just, he's just biting his nose <laughs> for like a minute
1: <laughs> he's just gone full pharaoh like, at this point <laughs> yeah like, I'll, I'll allow it
0: watch that biting already you gotta keep it below two minutes This a max amount of biting you're allowed to do in a match so we get this kind of feral roddy piper and that does play into the match and the alcatraz stuff but i'd like if there's a reason he's allowed to do it this could have been an odq match you know, because it's personal. This could have been like some kind of stipulation match, and it would have made sense. But instead, it know. doesn't. What,
2: kill, what kills the match for me? He does like his claps behind his head, pretending he's like his arms are hitting Hogan's head. It's so bad.
0: Yeah, I, you do have to be safe with that move, but it looked really bad. I, I will, I will hundred percent agree with that.
2: It's it just compared to like his other offense, like it has like at least a theme behind it. This is just like what, like it just. I think it kills a lot of the momentum. There's not
1: much more you can really say about it. And like <laughs> Their offense is atrocious.
0: I'm trying to find like points to pick out so we can have discussion points about it, But I'm just talking about gibberish. That was the biggest discussion point. I have two notes here, which is a wrestling move hasn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, you know, I have the opposite of you. I have the variety of moves that are, are taking place in this match. And there's... One, two, eight, I counted. And of the eight... Six of them probably get you DQ'd. So <laughs> I don't know if I
0: call them wrestling or, moves, or
1: they're botched. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or Piper just didn't sell it. Like these lads are, they must be early forties at this point, or at the very youngest, or late thirties uh, when they wrestle here. Yeah. It's not like they're young guys trying to do things, but seriously their offense is so poor and there's just no attempt to make any sort of actual match go on it's all pantomime but there's no
0: like there's no even body slams there's no wrist locks there's no there's nothing that resembles wrestling anymore there's just biting and really crappy looking fake punches they had a decent storyline and all they had to do was have a semi-passable match i think to carry it so first bit of like shenanigans we get we get Wall Street and Vincent trying to get involved, but Piper dispatches them. Hogan tries to get ahead of steam after that, but another quick eye poke and some no-selling from Piper. And he's back in control of the match. We see Sting and Savage at the top of the ramp. Surprise, surprise. Looks like they're going to fend off the NWO. Uh, Savage goes to walk down to the ring, but Sting pulls him back and says no and stays on top of the, the ramp. But Macho Man shrugs him off. Goes down to the ring, stands by and apparently cheers on uh, Piper. Sting stays at the top of the ramp for a while, but then just kind of randomly leaves. Hogan starts winning the match, doing his typical back scratches and just big wind-up punches. And then we get to witness the worst wrestling move I have ever witnessed in my life. The bear hug of death in the middle the of cu- the ring. The
2: cuddle to the floor. <laughs> the cuddle, <laughs> yeah. the soft
0: and sensual cuddle to the floor. <laughs> He hits a bear hug where originally he's lifting Roddy, but then you can see he's like, nope, that's too heavy for me to hold, and just puts Roddy down. And does a standing bear hug where both men are standing. The ref goes... Was
2: spooning at this point, basically. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're just dancing. They're just drunk, swaying, dancing in the middle of the ring. The ref starts to do the hand drop spot, but then Hogan puts Roddy to the floor. So the ref is like, what does he want me to do? The ref starts counting... So Roddy has to kick up. He has to get his shoulder up to stop the count. And he keeps doing that until Hogan eventually shouts to the ref, just check him. (laughs) Just check his hands. (laughs) So ref's like, oh, you do want me to do that spot. Does the spot. Roddy kind of powers out, kind of tries to hook up, but doesn't quite. And then Hogan starts to just choke him on the floor. And then we get the third low blow of the match (laughs) by (laughs) Hogan. But then Piper just reverses, I guess, the low blow by locking in the sleeper. Hogan goes out. They go out right in front of Randy watching. And the ref calls the match. Calls it in favor of Rowdy and the crowd go wild. They start celebrating. But then Macho pulls Hogan's feet under the bottom rope. So then the ref starts discussing things with Piper. But we don't really get to see that because the camera stays focused on Macho. Messing with something in his pocket. And he hands Hogan something. The match is restarted, though. That's not very clear. And I don't think it's very clear to the crowd. Hogan hits Piper with the nooks. Macho kind of takes him away when the ref isn't watching. Three count. Macho has turned on Piper. And presumably is now a member of the NWO. Wins Hogan the match in a very confusing trick finish that I don't (laughs) think the crowd kind of got i certainly didn't get watching at home for a while what was happening or how that made any logical sense but that's our finish why just not have a rope break why not just have hogan actually break the hold at the last second with his foot and then when like Piper's giving it to the ref hand
1: him a weapon why do the false finish just to mess with the crowd again terrible referee angle he can see where the guy's feet are not even close to the ropes either like he yeah. can see them and then all of a sudden he has to go oh wait they're under the ropes that means he can't have, have lost oh why are the <laughs> referees so bad at their
0: jobs why is there a rope break there's three plus low blows in this match none of them are policed. <laughs> why is the rope break relevant he bit his nose uh. for a minute <laughs> Why is Sting the most gullible man on the planet? Like, he, even brooding Sting is like Macho's okay. He can hang out in the rafters with me.
1: Why are people trusting anybody who's wearing all black and white? Like, <laughs> he's wearing the colors. Like, what did you think he was going to do?
0: <laughs> he just wanted to fit in with his new pal Sting, of
1: course. He does look amazing, by the way. I do. <laughs> like. I'll give him that. I do. Love he's got schedule. full dynasty-style power shoulders. On that jacket and everything—it's—it's it's immense it's looking. Yeah,
2: another another thing they could have done too is like either Bischoff could have just come out and say no, no 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 this is the fish you need to restart the match type. You start thing. the match like, his
0: legs were under the rope yeah.
2: Right, and that, and that fits his persona. He's been like oh no, no 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 I'm the I'm in charge here. I need to fix things type of thing. So, distract the referee something like that. Randy does elbow drop to Piper match over like it's really easy to come up with a better finish a better way to turn Macho Man as well because now it feels wasted.
0: Yeah, the surprise wasn't that surprising once like the because when Hogan was out he didn't celebrate you knew something was up straight away so instead of being all of a sudden oh no what's he doing you're like oh he's up to something.
2: Yeah, they ruin it too because they, they hold up on like the, the camera angle with uh, Macho that's like ringside way too long. So it's like, oh, Macho's going to do something. It, it ruins it yeah. before it even happens.
0: Yeah, He even pushes away the camera, and I don't think that is him playing character. He's like, why the fuck is the camera on me at the moment? Again, the, ma- the match is bad. No ifs or buts about it. These guys can't wrestle anymore. If Hogan can't wrestle, they need to be putting him in a ring with younger guys that can carry him. And that's not Piper. This is just cashing in on... Two very big, larger-than-life characters, and the storyline behind it isn't bad. But your finishes can still make logical sense and be good, and they fail every time. They feel like they lessen the NWO with their finishes when they could be elevating it every time. And It's small thing. It's like, like I want to completely book different. I can agree with their booking. You want Hogan to go over, you want Macho to turn, I don't care. But you can just do one or two actions different, and then you actually have a fine finish to your match. It's infuriating.
2: It is. Back to the WCW formula. This is part of the formula. <laughs> Terrible main event finishes. Yeah. Awful,
1: awful main event. At, Absolutely awful.
0: After this, we see a beatdown on Piper as well by uh, both Macho and Hogan. In the weirdest way possible, they take turns lying on top of Piper's prone body <laughs> while they hit their finishes. It's weirdly erotic. Do you not think so? He's like just lying no, on top of Piper's I did, body. I didn't think so. No. Just me. I'm a weird guy. It's. It, I thought it was off-putting. Why does he need to lie on top of? Why isn't he like kneeling on him or just like holding him down with his arms? He's just like lying completely flat on top of Piper. No, <laughs> just
2: me. Uh, again, I, yeah. I told Gus you're, you're thinking too too logically, or I don't even know what you're <laughs> thinking. Of. Yeah. Just hold him. Yeah. But as far as Macho Man though, like I do, even though the turn doesn't make as much sense because the whole what we're trying to tell a story here in kayfabe is that like. Eric Bischoff blackballed him so macho man like kind of is forced to join the NWO type of thing so even though he got spray painted like nine times and got humiliated and his wife (laughs) so on whatever we don't need to remember any of that stuff does
1: he give any sort of
2: like oh
1: I'm doing this for Elizabeth as well I've only well, watched because I don't. I don't.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I've watched one Nitro, and he doesn't have any promo, which is nice. So it doesn't tell us anything. Of course, <laughs> of course, not. of course. Um,
1: why would you have a promo about the guy who just turned in the main event? Yeah, one of the best wrestlers oh, of all
2: time. Whatever. Uh, really good promo guy can sell, right. <laughs> can sell a feud and whatever. Uh, nah. Well, big thing too is he, I like Macho better as a heel too. So that's why I'm okay. Yeah, with Yeah, Macho's this. a
0: fantastic heel. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of one of the best of all time for sure. The thing is, it doesn't need to make that much sense. Because all you need is, like, a couple words to make it make sense. You just need him to make it believe it makes sense. All he has to go is, like, when I was blackballed, not one of the WCW guys came and asked me if I was okay or if I still had my job or fought for me. Which they haven't. Like, we've commented on how the WCW guys don't fight for each other. It's really weird when the NWO guys do. So that's a perfect example of going, you know, NWO takes care of each other. I was at home and not one person picked up the phone. And that's, like, a real basic
1: heal logic mentality king and then I got invited for breakfast yeah
0: then it was breakfast time
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah, I mean Stig and Macho they've had to have like beers and stuff like why didn't he like come back out I mean not that he has to come back out and like save him but just like come back out and like oh my buddy what what did you do or anything so be
0: disgusted do the R and just shake your head?
2: Not, not even anything. You can just keep it ambiguous because the whole thing with Sting is whose side is he on as well. So you could just have him come out and just like look ominous or point with your bat or what, whatever. Something. Yeah.
0: This is something WCW are really bad at and WWF at the time I think were quite good at. What visuals do you end your pay-per-view on? I think are important. Hogan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Hogan every time. <laughs> yeah. The visual of Sting just standing at the top of that ramp still just motionless and you're like whose side is he on? Like, surely he's on Macho's side if they were hanging out. You know, that's a good visual. Or Macho standing over Piper. That's a good visual. Nah. Hogan playing air guitar with the belt. That's the end of every pay-per-view that's ever existed, I guess.
2: It's... Dave, it's actually sad. That's That's my note... All the pay-per-views we've covered have been that, except World War Three. Yeah. That's yeah, just... I can't believe it.
0: Uh, Hogan Hogan knows how to do business, and he knows if he's the last shot of every pay-per-view. Like, it's genuine. Like, he's just worth more. And it's better for his career, personally, why it, not be, why it might not be better for the company. Or it might not... Like, you have to give someone else a, ty- a time to shine. And that was Sting's time to shine. That was Sting's time to be sent to the program, or, like... Piper's time to have his like defeat to be you know crumpled in the middle of the ring and that be your last shot it's just he's just greedy for the limelight
2: yep spray paint to Piper too so that adds to the spray paints We're, we've been seeing more spray paints so the spreadsheet yeah. is updated now
0: updated the one thing I noticed is that uh, Piper is so sweaty after the match the spray paint doesn't stick to him <laughs>
2: yeah I noticed that too. <laughs>
0: how sweaty would you have to be <laughs> Like, it sticks to Giant, and he just bathes in oil before matches. (laughs) Oh, this pay-per-view. So, any closing thoughts, gentlemen, on the pay-per-view in general?
1: Like, Sold Out was terrible, obviously. And, I mean, drove myself, anyway, to drink, to get through. This was kind of on the opposite side. It was really boring for long stretches of it. And the crowd really doesn't help it whatsoever. So, yeah, this was, like, a real different kind of bad where i had lots of people going in for matches where i'd be like oh this is great and then they would massively disappoint there are some bright spots the tag match is great and the opener is good but yeah their formula is really where it's starting to wear on me now it's like send all the good wrestlers out at the start have good matches and then the main guys will suck it up in the main event but take all the credit anyway
0: how about you connor
2: uh, a little little bit of the same with Gus. I mean, I think I might have liked it a little bit more from what he was saying. Uh, I definitely enjoyed this pay-per-view just as coming off of sold out for sure. Uh, definitely disappointed with a lot of guys, particularly Jericho and, and Eddie. I was really mad with the, the Ray Ikea booking as well. But I thought a lot of the booking up until this pay-per-view was very solid. Again, the, just the execution all, all around. Just I, I, I don't know why they stumble on pay-per-views. And the other, the other big thing, too, is just it feels like we're just in filler mode until we get the Sting and Hogan match finally, which is kind of strange. I've looked ahead. We, we don't have, I think there's like two or three pay-per-views in a row where we're not going to have a Hogan versus somebody match, which will be nice. And I, I, I can't wait to get to some of those shows. Yeah, I was going
0: to say that's probably very necessary because who's next in line? You've already done Giant. Maybe Lex?
2: Yeah. Lex will get his time, but yeah, it's not it's not coming up. So
0: Yeah, like there's maybe one actual face left on the roster that can feud with your mega heel.
2: And he's still quote unquote injured, so give him some time. So I I think that's a good time to wait, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's perfect time to wait. You definitely shouldn't have Hogan defending his title. A bit weird not having your main title defended on pay-per-views, but you know, you can definitely book in that he's insulating himself and making sure he doesn't have to defend. And that builds up tension. So I don't mind that. And it's something that's necessary. I think this pay-per-view overall for myself was a bit of a mixed bag. We talked about how the tag match with Giant and the Outsiders, you know. It hit the marks it needed to. It wasn't a superb wrestling match. But it did what it needed to. I was missing the mixture of good storytelling like the Outsiders match. And some excellent match that blew me away. That's what I'm hoping to see on these. That's what I'm hoping to see from the lower card with such just oodles of talent. The booking wasn't fantastic. Some of the matches were misses. And the thing that annoyed me most about this is the matches that needed time. So, stuff like Eddie Jericho could have been good, but you had like five matches on that just didn't need to be on the card at all. I can understand defending your belts no matter what, but having a trios match and some of the other throwaway matches just eat time off other important matches annoys me. I think that's sloppy booking and unnecessary booking. But Basically, Nirvana compared to what we had to do last time. (laughs) I will take this ten times out of ten if I never have to do a sold out.
2: Same.
1: I wouldn't take that. I don't think. Yeah. Oh, I would. No, I
2: would. Yeah, because I could just watch the the Dean and X Pac match. That can get me over instead of Miss NWO. That's. I am. I'm taking that any day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You think you take a sold out every now and again just so you can have like an eight out of ten pay per view?
1: I'm under no illusions that sold out is definitively worse than this pay-per-view but i'm like man this really bored me it took me a very long time to watch this pay-per-view i had a lot of trouble staying invested
0: there was a big hump in the middle of the card where you're like oh can i skip this will the cast notice (laughs) can i fluke my way through can i pretend i know what moves happened in the match
2: the truth comes out
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i have to ask that question i do at the end of every pay-per-view connor whose side are you on
2: I actually didn't write an answer down for this one, so I'll have to think about it on the fly. I, Again, it's hard to be on NWO's side just from sold out. I, that's unforgivable for what they did. I, I think it's totally in line to answer WCW this time. I'm just fully into what WCW is doing right now. NWO, besides the outsiders, just not really behind anything about what they're doing. And I like what Giant and Lex Luger have been doing a lot, and obviously the cruiserweights are really uh, impressing me a lot too. So WCW this time, I don't think it will last too long though. Fergus, whose side
1: are you on? I'm having trouble with this question because this pay-per-view, I think in particular, they're losing their grip on that storyline and it doesn't seem to matter as much. Like Luger and the Giants seem to be more involved with just being annoyed at the NBO. It's not, this is WCW, we have to protect ourselves anymore. And a lot of the matches on the card just don't reference it. I don't want to say NWO, but it probably is because they're they still have the belt, they still have the tag. Well, they don't technically have the tag belts. <laughs> they have the cruiserweight belt. They have the most belts, so I gotta go with them. And they they had the best match I think on the, in the evening.
0: I'm gonna have to go WCW just on the back of DDP. I think he's the coolest thing happening at the moment now that until probably Sting comes in. Outsiders are pretty decent as well, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm Team DDP all the way at the moment, so I guess default to WCW. And that's us for another edition of the WCW vs. NWO podcast. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. You can also check out our bonus video episodes. We'll do them from time to time on Vimeo under the same handle. From me, Connor, and Gus, join us next time when things start to get a little bit frosty.